I am Justin Kramer. I'm a Marine veteran and podcaster, and this is the Just Conversation podcast. Warning. This program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Welcome to the Just Conversation podcast, the show where I, your host Jack, speak to scholars, creatives, incredibly interesting, unique, fascinating people with outstanding minds and great life stories and backgrounds, and they are usually superheroes with superpowers, or something like that, right? Totally. That's totally the case. Anyways, hi guys. Um, yeah, so as usual, uh, today we have a guest for you, because what the fuck else would you... What? Why are you here? Obviously, you're here for a guest. I never know what to do on these things. I just kind of talk to myself. I always think like Bill Burr does a whole show where he just sits there and talks to himself, sometimes for hours. That's fascinating that he could just do that. I guess I, I guess I kind of do this every week now, and I guess it works kind of effortlessly. It's just weird to think about it. I'm actually actively talking to somebody who's not talking back after for what like six years having conversations exclusively with people who talk back. So now I'm just in a weird moment in my life where I just, I talk to me knowing you're listening. Hmm, strange. But yeah, so today we have a fascinating guest for you guys. He is from the former Action Guys podcast, a unique, unique individual. He has a, so the former Action Guys podcast is a podcast in which Justin Kramer, gets uh, soldiers, people who've been active, military duty. And he gets their life stories. He gets them to talk about things they've experienced, things they've been doing, they did uh, their life, what happened, where they go after the military. Um, plethora of different people, different careers, different jobs within the military. A very informative show. If you don't know about the military and you're curious about the military, first of all, listen to that show. There's nothing but amazing, amazing content. I found this man through this process of just like, I fell down the rabbit hole of his show. He was talking to a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the very first, I don't, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty, pretty sure that the first episode I heard about was the latest episode at the time. That might've been a couple of episodes ago, but I'm, I'm so positive the guest he was talking to was a Marine that became a firefighter. Now, that that process of life just tells you that heroes stay heroes, right? But, like, a person who himself experienced being in the military and then decided to shine a light on everybody else's experience in the military, I found that such a fascinating outlook. Rather than running around bragging, I did this, guys, I'm so cool, respect me, he goes around pointing at everybody else and saying respect to them, look at them, look how, how much of a hero that person is. And that immediately caught my attention. I'm like, you realize you're them, right? But I need, I, need, I need to talk to him to find out if he does know that. And so I had to reach out to this guy. I had to come in like, man, I, I got to talk to you. One, I don't care much for the military. And I just fell down your, your military show rabbit hole. That, that tells you already how good that is. You know I don't do things I don't want to do. And I won't do things I don't want to do. But... 
I did want to. I wanted to listen. And to so much to the point, I, I want to talk to this guy now. And uh, yeah, so I, I got in contact, got him in, and uh, he's going to be here soon. And we're going to have a nice, lovely conversation. We're going to talk about anything and everything under the sun. And Justin is quite the individual just based on his show. And I've only briefly spoken to him. This is going to be our first real sit down. We're going to have a real conversation. Hopefully I can pick his brain and pick it apart and all that good stuff. But to get informed, get some details on who he is, if you're interested on any of that, so you can know who I am talking to ahead of time, or you can wait till after the show. Either way, look him up ahead or check him out after you're interested in who he is. But if you're going to look him up ahead, you can find the former Action Guys podcast pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. It's also on YouTube, but you know, the Spotify's and the Apple's of the world, uh, stuff like that. You can get that stuff. As well as you can find uh, the show's Instagram at former Action Guys on Instagram. And you can find his personal uh, Instagram at jkramermedia. And you can also find this man on Twitter. At former action guys, but for M E R action guys. And you can find uh, Justin's official website at jkramergraphics.com. And I'm sure he's going to explain all that good stuff when he is here. I'm actually really excited for this. I don't normally reach out to a military branch of things. If, if you know any long time listeners of the show know Reaper, one of the original members of the you know, the hosts of this show uh, himself was a soldier uh, army, but we we rarely dove into it. I know there was one episode where we touched on a couple of things and then we just moved on. But uh, I hope that uh, Justin has a lot to say. I am going to question anything and everything he says. You guys know how I do. I show no mercy to the individuals, but he is a genuine hero himself the fact that he leaves having been a hero and then doesn't even address his own heroics rather starts talking about other people's heroics like i need to understand what kind of a human does that because we're monsters as people everybody just cares about themselves i I actually found a human who's just wanting to hear the stories of other people just that's fascinating that's what i do here i found somebody who likes do what i do here just tell me your thing That's it. Just talk to me about the thing you're into. And he does this. And now I'm doing that to him because he does it to other people. Well, guess what? How the turntables. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. And, uh, you know, have a great week or whatever. I don't know. Here is the... I I was going to continue stealing the Rogan the Rogan thing, the great and powerful, but no, that's whack. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shift his thing and make my own version. I'm going to say the great and mighty instead of the, no, cause he says the great powerful the great and powerful. I got to take out the great and I can't say all powerful cause then he's God. There has to be some, some sort of middle ground here, right? The amazing, simple. Oh Yes. So I hope you guys enjoy this following conversation, and I want you to welcome the amazing Justin Kramer. Someone 
can prove it. They can show you the math and people can double check it. I don't think there's too many problems out there that like only one guy can solve because if only one guy can solve, you know, how many, how could we prove it? And if, and if he did solve it, then he should be able to explain. I think part of solving a problem is being able to explain what the problem was and how you solved it with religion, with like Christianity, like the Bible, let's say the, um, it's not, it's not fact check by anyone, but I will say that I think the closest thing that it has to having like, uh, um, I don't know what, what you want to call it. Um, whatever it's been self, it was written over centuries. So some of the stories that correspond with each other were written hundreds of years apart in different yeah. places. So it's like, how did that happen? Like, how could someone over here write the same story that someone way over there wrote? So that's like, I don't know. I guess that's kind of some ways. I don't know. It's all weird, man. I grew up going to church and everything too. It's like, uh, oh no, I can I can poke holes on both ends of what you're talking about. <laughs> First, I'll jump into the religion because that's the easiest one. Religion is uh, evolutionary. So Greek mythology became Norse mythology. Norse mythology became Hinduism. Hinduism became uh, Judaism. Judaism became Christianity. And so the same texts were moved from one location to the mm-hmm. other and then readapted according to the culture's own already existing tradition and beliefs. That's why the texts are so similar. And they just Yeah, extend. I know a lot of them are similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just extend what's happening. You can actually follow a lot of the similarities. For example, the angel of war Raphael is equal to the god of war Ares. These are just very – so we moved some of the gods and turned them into angels and we moved deities around, shifted their names, but their purposes are the same. All these same religions have a, a messiah that dies, comes back three days later, was born of a virgin. It's all the same narrative. So it's one story consistently throughout the entire narrative of that. Now, when it comes to science, now I'm a huge supporter of science. I I, I don't say this as a person who's skeptical of science, but as I a think per- being skeptical is science, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's where the most important little detail comes in, in which everything in science is a theory. Because we can't prove any part of science because we haven't proven science. That's the trick. So, yeah, I can run this. So, I I went to the same school. I I learned how the equations work. And you did a problem. You wrote it in a notebook. You gave me the thing. I can run the same experiment, but I have to use the same tools you did to end up at the same result. As opposed to me using a different system to prove your same experiment. That's not a thing we know how to do. Because we don't have another tool that isn't out of the same math. So we well, haven't proven science independently yet as fact. We just Wouldn't you wouldn't you say though that different I mean different people approach math in different ways. I mean look at common core math versus whatever that we call it back in the day when we were learning math like is it that two different ways to approach problems and they you know you see how it comes to the same kind of solution? Oh no, because you're using the same building blocks. The same basic principle of math is underlying all of the math and is the basic for all of the sciences, even if – so, for example, you could say general relativity is not the same as chemistry, but all of chemistry is based on general relativity, even if you're using totally different equations to get to the same conclusions. They're different maths, Mm -hmm. but the underlying blocks of 1 plus 1 equals 2 must always be a fact. So, are you you saying like – Science without the numbers, like a whole new way of looking at it without even... Yes. Look at it like this, right? I I, Hmm. I always try to imagine that we came across the numbers, but imagine there's an alien civilization, right? And they did not go through any of the same trials and tribulations that we did. They took a different path and their path happened to be through, I don't know, 
narrative. So everything that they ever do has to be focused on narrative. Everything is a. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there was an episode of Star Trek a long time ago. I don't know if you're familiar with Star Trek or you've watched any of it. Kate, no, I'm not a Star Trek person. Right, well, there was I've an episode it. of Star Trek where this there was a communication barrier that we couldn't understand what they were saying, and we have a universal communicator. And so this shouldn't be a problem we come across. Now, everything in that culture was based on the one time they saw a dragon. There was just a dragon. And so a story of that dragon is their entire language. Mm. So everything is a metaphor of the lang- of the dragon. And the mm. dragon did this, the dragon did that. And those are just sentences that to us is like, oh, I walked to the store. Well, dragon, walk, dragon, buy. And to us, that sounds like gibberish until we understand what they based it on. Yeah. Now, they have a whole different system. Once we crack that, we understand that it's language and that it's language that works totally different than our understanding of language. But yeah, we can sure. prove language without our structure for it. We yeah, cannot like, do that with science. That, that's like dogs talking to each other. Like we know they're barking at each other, but we don't know what they're saying to each other. Exactly. You know? but, they're, but they're communicating. There's something happening there. Yes. They've arrived at something completely different through a completely different means – and it functions. Yeah, we can prove it functions. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of science that would be. I don't know how you would, and if it's a whole new way of looking at stuff, I don't know, man. It wouldn't be called science. I, yeah, it'd be called something else, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird, right? Because that's a whole other road to, to just problem solving. Yeah, you'd have to figure out how to prove, like, even if you came up with a new way to look at stuff, you'd have to figure out a way to prove it, replicate it, like, whatever the, I don't know, you know. It's problematic. It's a, yeah. Yeah, I believe in science also, though. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you science know, the is the most part. immaculate way to approach the universe, especially when you include something like string theory that's very granular and uh, sort of incorporates all the other sciences. Mm-hmm. That's kind of overpowered in our closest thing for a theory of everything. Like every – even if we can't prove string theory on its own, every other theory – coexists within it and we can extract things from string theory that we can apply to other theories and proves to function Hmm. so that's fascinating that's the closest thing to verifying like general relativity or something yeah interesting yeah i don't know uh i'll be honest i'm a liberal arts major from san Diego state university so (laughs) (laughs) i am not a scientist this uh, uh science stuff like that interests me but i don't i don't speak the language man you know, I understand what you're saying, uh, talking about string theory and pulling stuff in and out of it and stuff like that. Like, it, I get what you're saying, but I can't really speak on it. Oh, no, that's fair. I would just sound like a moron speaking on it because I don't know. I, I didn't take too many science classes while I was in school. No, don't worry. I'm a, I'm a fucking nerd, bro. I've done nothing but dive balls deep into sciences through most of my life, yeah. mostly out of curiosity. You're, I like science stuff. I mean, I like watching, um, you know, I get on YouTube and watch different kind of like engineering channels and mechanical stuff like that. And, Interesting. Uh, stuff like, you know, I like that kind of stuff, but you're talking deep theoretical sciences, you know, that's like you really have to be into it. To yeah, yeah, of, yeah. It's that kind of, it's abstract science basically. One of, one of the, one of the, I think, I don't know if it's Business Insider or one of the other channels has like, uh, things explained at different levels and they talk to a theoretical physicist and it's like they start out with like a little kid and then, yes, they, then they have I've a seen middle that. school. Yeah, yeah. So I watch that. That's the kind of stuff I'll, I'll be watching because I can understand all the way up until they start talking to like the expert and then they just, you know, you get into like jargon, like scientific jargon. It's like talking to someone out of the military like myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we just start talking amongst each other, you're probably going to get lost in part of the conversation because you don't know, you just don't know what we're talking about. That's fair. Now, now that you bring that up, how 
So how interesting. And I've never spoken to somebody who just seeks out engineering. That's quite fascinating. And engineering itself is quite a granular uh, type of because it's it's the hands on science, right? Science is three branches. It's, it's the application, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because uh, the interaction of scientists comes in three stages. There's a guy who thinks up the problem mm-hmm. and he offers the problem to the guy who comes up with the experiment. And that's the so you, you the theoretical scientist gives it to the researcher. The researcher comes up with how I think we could fix the problem. They give it to the engineer. The engineer then designs the, the thing that would yeah. be applied, and then gives it back to the researcher who tries to test it out. Comes up with results. Gives it back to the theoretic. He mm-hmm. goes ahead and thinks about it. And so this loop always happens. So it is actually the most important part of all sciences because without the engineer, we'd just be stuck, kind of going in circles. Yeah, for sure. You just be talking about it. Yeah, you forever. Know, guys out here like applying it, like uh, and not just applying it, but also taking maybe what you find in research and applying it to where it can be used in everyday kind of circles. Yeah, know? that's all due to engineering. That's the only yeah. way we could get there. So you you have an interest in engineering? Uh, you know, I just like it's just like anything else, man. You go down YouTube rabbit holes. Oh, it's yes. um, I'll watch. There's like a there's a channel I just started watching recently called like uh the brick channel or something like that. And it's this dude making stuff with Legos. And he takes like, he, he has like these Lego motors and he does all these like crazy gears. He makes a Google. If you know what that is, like the actual Google, like machine, like uh, you'd have to look it up. Google means something else. Um, really? It's a number. Oh, yeah. It's a oh number. Googleplex. Yeah. And he has this like machine. I don't know. You have to see his channel. It's just all Lego stuff. He makes like a submarine using nothing but Lego parts and stuff like that. And he attaches like a GoPro to it and takes it underwater. Yeah, I, I pulled it up to uh, watch with my kid one time, and I kind of got sucked into it. So I've watched it a few times since then. But yeah, man, engineering videos, you know, um, car stuff videos. I was big into the car scene here for a little while in Southern California, which is always fun. So I was a mechanic for a little bit while I was in the Marine Corps when I first came in. So um, anything where I can like build and take take something apart understand how it works interesting interesting what was your uh, specific duties like what was your, your your expertise in the military so when i first came in i came in what's called open contract which means i made the mistake of letting the military decide what my job would be uh there's a whole story behind it it was like i was between a rock and a hard place and i was like fuck it here we go you know i'm going open contract and when i came out of boot camp that's when they tell you what you're going to be and I, the only thing I didn't, I said, I, I told my recruiter, I was like, man, if I go open contract, I'll become a fucking cook or a fucking mechanic, you know? And what happened? I became a mechanic. And and then I went to uh, my first duty station, or I was getting ready to go to my first duty station after my uh, military training after school. And um, I was like, well, maybe I'll get sent to like an infantry unit and we'll get to do cool stuff because even infantry units have mechanics. And uh, I get sent to a logistics unit that is nothing but turning wrenches all day, like being in, working in a garage uh, out in the real world. And I was miserable because I didn't want, you know, I wanted to be in the Marines and like do cool stuff. Turning wrenches was all right, but it wasn't the best thing. So I got sent to Iraq in 2009. And while I was there, at the end of your first contract, you do four years. At the end of your first contract, they have a, a thing called a lateral move or a lap move is what we call it. And you can switch jobs. So if you, if there's a, if you want to go from being a mechanic to whatever, you know, you just put in the another application basically and they either say, yeah, you can do it or no, you can't. You have to meet like – sometimes you have to have a GT score, kind of like a – I don't know what to equate it to. It's not an IQ test, but it's like kind of like that. It's your ability to do different tasks. And um, 
I applied to be a forward observer or a fire support control man or fire support man. I said control man. Explain fire support that. man. Fire support man. Explain that. That means I'm the forward observer. I'm the dude with the binos calling in artillery. Um, you know, like, hey, because, you know, artillery can shoot over 20 miles. So you're, I'm radio back like, hey, gun, shoot here. And then when they round hits, then I'm like, okay, now move it to the right. You know, move it up, down. Interesting, like interesting. Yeah, you're the measurement yeah. man. And then I became a JTAC. So that means I was a joint terminal attack controller, which means I was the guy on the ground um, calling in uh, laser guided ordnance or aircraft munitions, uh, dropping bombs and stuff like that. You know, I'm the dude on the ground on the radio telling them where to go. Do you, so. did you prefer that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Great job. It was probably, it's got to be. It's got to be, I mean, it is one of the best jobs in the Marine Corps. It's a, it's a uh, high stress job and it's like, uh, it's an environment where you're around people that want to be there for the most part. And it's a, it's a real meritocracy because if you're not very good, then you're not going to stick around for very long because it's just not safe. You know, if I'm a guy telling a aircraft where to drop a 500 pound bomb because the aircraft just flies over and drops where we tell them, you know. If I'm the guy doing that, then I need to know what I'm doing. I need to know I, – I need to have some skills, some some ability to kind of assess a situation, kind of see where friendly positions are, where civilians may be, where the enemy actually is, and try to transpose all that into a uh, a mission for the aircraft. You know, and if you fuck that up, what's the result? You know, if you drop a 500-pound bomb on a building that wasn't supposed to get it, then – problematic yeah problematic you're destroying a building at the minimum at the least and then probably killing people that did nothing wrong at you know and you can go to jail for something like that you can if you're a pilot you can lose your pilot you know you're no longer a pilot after that or if you're a jtac like i was you can lose your certifications and you know it just all depends on the situation it happens obviously we've seen through years of war that it happens sometimes um and sometimes it's no fault of anybody involved it's just one of those things that just kind of happens but yeah, it's a very serious job. So, but I enjoyed it, man. In your mind, when you consider the military, this is a. So I have several military friends, and I myself mm -hmm. have no association other than knowing people who are in it. But the one consistent uh, comment that I get from everybody is that they love the military, but they hate command. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone hates hire. You know, that's just the way it is. It's like you know, it's like any other job. Let's say you not any other job, but if let's say you work in a cubicle at some corporate job, yeah, you probably hate your manager. Or you probably hate the management. Like, oh, fucking corporate just came down with this new policy. God damn it. You know, it's it's the same thing. Because I so when I joined, I was twenty two. So I had lived on my own for a little while, and I had worked. Not And this wasn't because I was doing something suddenly I just wanted to join the Marine Corps. I wanted to join since I was 18, but I got arrested and stuff for weed, so I couldn't join for a couple years. But in that time frame, it allowed me to kind of grow up, work a real job, and you know pay for my own way and stuff like that. And then when I got in the Marine Corps, it made me, I think, appreciate it more because you see the similarities. It's like a lot of the stuff is just like the real world. Sometimes you have a boss you don't like. Sometimes you have coworkers you don't like. Um the difference is in the Marine Corps or the military is that they own you, you know, like if they say, Hey, you have to be here at two o'clock in the morning. It's not, ah, I'm not going to do that. Or I quit, or I'm going to take a sick day. You know, you have to be there. Cause if I was like, Hey man, I'm sick. They're like, cool. Go to medical. We have our own medics. Go see if they say you're sick enough to stay home. You know, so that's one of those things. So it's a, it's a different world where it's a different world where you're held accountable 
And, um, you know, a lot of us for some, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, you're held accountable for a lot of stupid stuff, which is what most of us just kind of get tired of and decide we just don't want to deal with it anymore. But there's a lot of good stuff too, you know, that you're held accountable for. And I think that's the part that a lot of people get out when they do get out of the military. You talk to a lot of people that get out and they miss it. You know, even the guys that said they hated it while they were in, it's because they, you get out and no one's being held accountable for anything. Nobody's, you know, like you literally have to dress a certain way in the military. You can't go into the store on base if you're wearing like a certain, like I can't just go into my gym clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like there's different things so that it feels like a nicer environment. It feels like a really good environment. People are going to work. People are, you know, living on base is different than when you go out in town and you see like crackheads on the corner in some places and fucking, you know, you're not, yeah, it's just yeah. not, it's just a, it's an insulated environment where everyone's held to a different standard than you would be in the real world. But it's, that standard gets old sometimes. How do you think of the politics that run the government, the military, as opposed to the military itself? Um, you know, I don't think. I think a lot of the times, honestly, I think a lot of people in the military try to stay apolitical yeah. and or just don't bring it up. Or do you mean? Or you mean like politics, like like just like work politics? Are you talking about? Like no, politics, I mean like, like politics, like who the the people who ultimately tell you this is this is what we're gonna do, and then the military just has to sort of obey. Yeah, I think um, so. In the military, most most of the time, you're gonna see a lot of conservatives, you know, which isn't nothing wrong with that, which is I was totally fine with. But you also see a lot of liberals too, you know. There's not. I was one of my best friends while I was in the military was super liberal um, to the point where he lived in like a. He lived in a uh, a hippie commune before he fucking joined, what you know, fuck? like like straight up. And when we were on ship together, when uh, Donald Trump was elected president and and uh, Hillary lost and he was completely destroyed. And we're all like, fuck, yeah, man, like, God, I mean, and don't don't take this as me, like as a an endorsement of Trump. I didn't vote for him that year because I was deployed. But I, we were like, fuck, man, we're tired of this Democrat shit. And you got to look at. The reality is, is military spending gets cut a lot under Democrat pre- Democratic presidents presidents, and and the budgets go down. And I know people are going to hear that and be like, ah, the military budget's way out of blown, blown out of proportion and, and everything already. Let's also consider when you say that, that 25, I think it's like 25% of that budget is goes sp- only to salaries and benefits for over a million people you're talking you're talking military active duty military is like 1.3 million dollars or 1.3 million people so you're talking housing food medical care education if they want it like i did college while i was in all these different things that's part of the military budget it's not just bombs and planes and armored yeah, vehicles. Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest like that. problem that uh, the left has when it comes to thinking about things like this is that they only think of destructive power and that's usually the minority of it. Yeah, I try to remind people. I'm like, remember, we called up the uh, those the two ships, the two naval ships, the Hope and the Mercy during the COVID pandemic. Those things exist. Those things are out there. You know, you never, and it's never on the news, but those ships are like in South America all the time or going to different kinds of places that are having um, natural disasters and caring for the people, bringing them on ship and doing surgeries or doing just normal medical That's care and stuff like that. another thing people forget that the, the military is actually the primary function of the military isn't even war. It's usually humanitarian activities going to help people. A lot of times. Yeah, man. And they'll spend a lot of money to do that. You know, we were I was on ship on my first deployment. We were on ship and we were heading uh, west. 
we were past Hawaii, I believe we were already past Hawaii, or maybe it was right as we were getting ready to go past Hawaii. And we were going somewhere. I don't remember where we were headed to. And there was a, a call. It was like, hey, there's like seven scientists on these little islands out in like Micronesia or some shit. And there's a hurricane on the way. And if we don't go get them, they're going to probably drown because I think the highest point on them was like seven feet above sea level. And now a hurricane's heading towards them. So they redirected this big ass ship with over a thousand people on it to go pick up these seven people. You know what I'm saying? Just because we're not, we're kind of heading that way anyways. And we're not going to not try to help people that need help. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And what did that cost to, to rescue seven people? But, you know, if you look at that cost of that, like their contributions that, collectively if, make up if the that's difference. One of, well, if that's one of your family members, what would you say is, oh, that's not, they're not worth the cost. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we do do, the military is really good at blowing shit up. I was part of that, you know, and doing stuff like that and, and doing what we got to do. also like vastly the minority of what happens. Yeah, there's a lot of like social causes and stuff that they get out. Every time when I was on, again, when I was on ship, anytime we stopped in a port, like if we went to um, Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, all these different places, Malaysia, they would, they would have volunteer opportunities and guys would go and volunteer at like orphanages or schools and like do these things with the like, kids and do local community projects. They would bring in the CBs, which are the uh, Navy engineers. And um, build like if they needed something built, they'd come in and build it and do like a project, you know, as part of like, hey, yeah, we're going to stop here and let everybody off the ship and drink and party in Singapore. But while we're doing that, we're also going to go to this church and there's a group of people that are going to come there and, you know, play basketball with kids for the day or they're going to go over here and, you know, read to read books to the orphanage or whatever. You know, it's there's more to it. People just see. I mean, no one wants to see <laughs> nobody wants to see you handing out food to a local you know what i'm saying they want to see like combat stuff yeah a lot of people that want to join i guess yeah the the mentality of uh some people who want to join is a sort of rambo ideology of i'm gonna go there i'm gonna just shoot guns i'm gonna be a savage you know yeah war and this and that and i was like no you (laughs) that's if necessary but Mm -hmm. if avoidable by all means and the a lot of people don't realize that. They just think military equals destruction. And that has a lot to do with, like, media and films and mm-hmm. shit feeding that mentality to people. Well, it's just like everything else, man. Like, right now in Ukraine, you got all this stuff going on and everything that – every piece of armored vehicle that the media reports on, they call it a tank. You know, and it's like a lot of the things that they're calling tanks aren't tanks. They're like armored personnel, armored personnel carriers or they're, you know, different kinds of vehicles, but they're not tanks. Well, when people look at the military, they assume everybody's infantry. If you're Marine infantry or if you're Army infantry, you're literally only learning how to go out and do foot patrols and try to hunt people down. You know, that's literally that's your job. You're to take objectives, you know, whatever the objective is, either be a small objective or a large objective. That's what you're training to do. That's pretty much it. Occasionally, if you're going on ship or something like that, you'll get uh, you'll get extra training to learn how to do like crowd control and stuff. If there's like a riot, let's say we get sent in, there's an embassy going to get taken over. So they send in a, an infantry company or, or, or a battalion to reinforce an embassy. They'll, they'll have guys that know how to do riot control and stuff that have that had that kind of training. But for the most part, that's what they do. But that's one job. You know, that's one job. What percent of the Marine is infantry? 
The well, I think infantry is the biggest MOS in the Marine Corps, followed by Motor T, I believe, because you got to think of all the drivers and mechanics and stuff like that. Um, but when I say infantry, within infantry, there's multiple jobs. You got a rifleman. You can pick to be a machine gunner. You can be a mortarman. You can be uh, well, it used to be an assaultman. I don't know. If, I don't think they still have that job. You can be a recon marine. You know, there's like different kinds of infantry jobs that you can get into. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. so so it's like a it's a good amount. You know, and the Marine Corps is about, I want to say about 180,000 right now, between 180 and 2,000 or 200,000, I believe. And I would say probably close to 100,000 of that is, is well, maybe not that much. It's something, it's a majority amount, I think. Like majority as versus to the, all the other things put together? or Yeah, just... what's that called? A plurality. I think it's a plurality. So it's based on all the other ones, it's the highest. And then motor Yeah, key, so it could be like 10% like while everything else is like at 7%. So it's like the largest chunk itself, yeah, but, but like collectively a small piece. But if you, let's say you want to join the military and you're not looking to get into combat arms is what we call it. Combat arms is infantry, artillery, tanks. You there know. we go. So combat arms, if you were to give a percentage to what part, what chunk of the military's combat arms, what would you give that? I would say it's got to be at least half of the, I don't know about the military in general, when you talk about Navy, which is almost no combat arms and Air Force, which is almost no combat arms for the Marine Corps. I would say at least half of it is combat arms. Wow. Really? The rest is going to be what you consider non-combat arms, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get into combat. You're talking about, again, mechanics, truck drivers, admin clerks, um, you're talking, God, who else? There's all kinds of people. Engineers. Well, that's combat arms. That's considered combat arms. I'm trying to think of what else. Supply. Really? Enge- okay. Let's go back to the engineering. Then why is, gen- why is engineering considered part of combat arms? Do they themselves have to see action in order to be engineers? Well, there's so, okay. In the Marine Corps, and I want to say within the army as well, there's two types of engineers. You have combat engineers and you have just like the regular engineer both of them are the same guy like i can go from a combat engineer unit first first cebs uh combat engineer battalion to um first mlg marine logistics group and be the same you know i'm an engineer either way when i'm at first ceb combat engineer battalion i go there to be a like someone that sweeps the road for mines i'm looking for mines um you know the dude with the mine detector the little green man with the mine detector you're that guy Um, or you're a guy that creates breaches. You, you work with C4 and we learn how to blow doors, different types of doors off the hinge and stuff like that. You know, they do that kind of stuff. They're kind of like a watered down EOD tech, a bomb tech. They're, they're like the step below those guys. And, but they get, I mean, we lost a ton of, if you look at the history of a combat engineer in Afghanistan, a lot of them got killed because they were the route clearance guys that would go through and look for the IEDs, you know, and some of them would get hit multiple times. The other side of the house, your regular engineer is someone that's going to come in and build. Let's say, hey, we're going to we're going to set up a base in this part of Afghanistan. Well, we got to build structures. That's when you bring in the engineers. They start building structures. They can, you know, they have the equipment to to construct things. They have the equipment to run um, like showers, like field showers, like set up a tent with like showers in it or laundry or something like that. If you're in like a field environment, yeah. Um, they set up, in, they set up, um, like the generators, you know, your basic living kind of infrastructure, they can build that stuff. So it's, it depends on what unit you're with, but they, it's the same guy. It just depends on what unit he's in, if he's combat arms or not. Okay. So have you ever, uh, been trapped on the other side of enemy lines for any reason? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I don't think that's, you know, no, I haven't. It's, I'm, I would like to say, well, in Afghanistan, it, that wasn't really a thing. It's like, where were the front lines? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was kind you're of everywhere. In it. Yeah, every everything was it. Yeah, because when you're fighting an insurgency, you're moving through a town or something like that. You don't know who you're fighting until they start shooting at you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, I guess you have. I have been behind enemy lines, but I've also, you know, like it's when, I, the way we took it is like when I was in Sang in Afghanistan, which was a pretty shitty place. If anybody's heard of it, if you were outside of the base, you were basically on alert, ready to go, because you never knew if a IED would go off, a vehicle-borne IED would roll up and try to blow you up. Um, someone would start shooting at you. you Have know. you ever seen that happen in person? A car go off right next to you? No, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky through my... Uh, so I've done five deployments, uh, one to Iraq, two to Afghanistan, and two on ship. And I've been near IEDs that have gone off, but I've never seen it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I was just talking on the last podcast I did um, with a guy. And I remember sitting, we were, we were sitting there talking... Uh, when I was in Afghanistan, we were sitting there talking in the base. We're just bullshit. Me and my buddy were, and you just hear this boom, and it's right outside the walls of the of where we were staying in, in Afghanistan. They had pulled up like a a scooter, you know, think of like a moped, but they had strapped explosives and shit to it, pulled it into the bazaar, and, and set it off. And it was like right there, you know, it was close enough where you felt it, you know, you could feel it go off. But oh, I've yeah, never vibration. been, I've never been on a foot patrol or something like that where someone got hit. Um, I've had I've been on a, on a mission where guys have come to me that had been hit. You know, they had were farther forward and they come back to us. But yeah, I'm lucky, man. Especially going to Sangin, I'm pretty lucky to have not. I mean, the uh, fact have, that you were in places where there was action at all, consider yourself lucky to have come back at all, because many didn't. Well, yeah, you're right. Many have many did not, and um, but the overall, the overwhelming majority of people that deploy make it back fine. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that's another thing that gets twisted in media really hard. We yeah. make it seem like everything is a complete, total, and absolute loss. And it is tra- it is tragic. We do have loss on our side. And if it could be avoided on both sides, if we could avoid loss mm-hmm. in general, that would be fantastic. But it's yeah. not a reality that could be achieved. And so we no. calculate loss into it and everybody signs up being aware that it could be anyone. And it's not, gonna, it's not likely going to be me, but it could be. Yeah, you're playing. It's an odds game for sure, especially when you start doing multiple deployments and stuff. Uh, a lot of guys would be like, "Man, third deployment—that's the one you don't make it past." You know, <laughs> that's what guys would say, and I'm like, "Fuck!" You know, my third deployment was my worst one, and it was like, oh, "Okay, man, I hope that doesn't hold out." You know, hold to be true. How many collective but, years you got? Sir, uh, I did. Tw- so I did twelve years total. I did yeah. twelve years. Yeah, and um, yeah, like I said, Iraq in '09. I was a mechanic there. I didn't really do much on that. I was a mechanic. I was on a big base. We had a chow hall, you know, basically like a cafeteria you can go to and eat at. So it's not like I was living in the shit, fucking eating out of a bag or anything like that. The industrial military, you know, military industrial complex was in play there. So we had food supplied by KBR. Um, my second deployment, I was in Marja, Afghanistan. That's so I switched jobs in between, became a forward observer, and I deployed with Third uh, Battalion, Six Marines to Marja. And uh, Marja was a place where hotbed of activity. Um, they had done the invasion of Marja the year prior to kind of take it over from the uh, Taliban forces and stuff. And I remember the first like 24 hours, I remember we flew in. I, I landed on a helicopter at night. I got out of the helo. My captain had already flown in prior to me the day before or something like that. So he comes out to meet me. He's like, hey, Sergeant Kramer, you know, blah, blah, blah. Welcome to Marja. This is, you know, this is where we're going to be at for a little bit. Um, this is master gun. So-and-so he's the ops chief. And I just want to introduce you to him. And this dude's in like workout clothes and PT gear. 
And uh, he's like, hey, how's it going, Sergeant? He's like, hey, I'm not feeling too good. So I'm just going to, I just want to introduce myself and take off. I'm like, all right, good to go. And he like bounces and my captain's like, dude, something's going on. We ate bad chicken or something, but like 25% of the people here um, are getting medevaced out because they're so sick. You know, they're throwing up and, and shitting. And I remember seeing dudes, I'm like walking or I'm like the next morning when it was light out, I remember seeing a dude like running because, you know, it's not like you have a, a little apartment and a, and a bathroom I can run to real quick. We had no running water. You know, there was no running water. If I was washing my hands, if I was washing my face, it all came from bottled water. And if you had to take a dump or something, you, you know, pooped in a bag. We call them wag bags. And I remember seeing a dude running for the wag bag station, the place where you can go and set one up and poop and just kind of stop and defeat and the poop is coming down his leg. Aww. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and then and then I'm like, man, that's fucked up, you know. And then like a couple hours later, down the road from us, a a uh, Taliban suicide bomber tried to blow himself up and a uh, Afghan security. I don't know if it was Afghan army or security guard shot him. Well, so so the dude tried to blow himself up. His vest didn't detonate. It went it um, malfunctioned and it caught on fire and he burned himself to death. So I was like, this is within the first 24 hours. I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be, you know, this is different than being a mechanic in Iraq with a chow hall. Now I'm out here, like no bottled water, you know, bottled water, no running water, no. Like, yeah, um, the conditions got real suddenly. For real. Yeah. I mean, it's you're pissing in a tube. And you're swatting flies away. They're they're coming out of the tube and they're trying to land on you. You see them coming out of it. You're like, oh, get away. You know, it's just um, living out there is like fucking for real. You know? But you survive something like that and then eventually you're unfazed by a lot. Well, it makes you – dude, it really – to me, what I took away from my time in was the appreciation of the things that I have. You know what I'm saying? Like to be able to sit down and just turn the lights on or turn an air conditioner on or, you know, call one of my friends or go to the store, not even go to the store. I could sit here and fucking order food or whatever I want. I don't even have to leave my apartment anymore. I can get weed. I can get snacks. I can get drinks, everything just delivered right to me. You know, it's like, I just, I find it hard to listen to people complain. You know, when I've seen real problems, when I've seen real poverty and not just on like an Afghan deployment to, you know, saying in our Marja where people are living in mud huts, like literally living in mud huts and cooking over fires outdoors, you know, like this is very, and this is in 2013, you know, some of these people have cell phones that they can use occasionally, but they're also living in mud huts. It's like a weird world seeing poverty there. And then also I've been to Africa and I've seen, you know, there was an Ethiopian refugee camp right outside the camp in Djibouti that you drive by it. If you go out to like train and stuff, you'd go to the ranges it's massive. It's huge. And you're just like, man, these people are living in 10 fucking, you know, corrugated 10 steel, like little huts and one of the hottest places in the world. And fucking, you know, cause they got pushed out of their country. That's having a civil war. And yes, it's like, when I'm I come back, familiar here, with that. yeah, when, when I come back here and I hear people complain about stuff, I'm like, dude, just who cares, man? Like who, who cares? It's not that serious. Don't you think we're almost excessive on our end, though? Like, we have all these conveniences. Okay, like, let me rephrase that. Do you think we could be doing more for others, and should we? Or does it even well, matter? There's a fine line there, because, you know, I talked to one of my professors in, when I was at, at uh, SDSU. I had a discussion with one of my professors, because we were talking about... Um, 
think it was a political science class. I can't remember, but we we're talking about aid to other countries or corporations moving a factory to, let's say, Cambodia. They build a factory and they're like, hey, we're going to charge people or we're going to pay people two dollars a day, you know, to work here. And like if I if I was to go inspect that as a U.S. factory inspector, I'd look at it and be like, this place isn't, you know, safe. Yes, I think so. I think in in that scenario, I was the discussion was. Who are we to tell them like what is like if they want that factory there, if this is not something that's pushed upon them, if that's if they see it as like, hey, dude, I can finally work. You know, I'm actually making money. And like some of these countries, there's no jobs. There's literally nowhere to make money there. It's just it's a very hand to mouth kind of lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? So if if we were to build something there that gives people jobs and it's better than they've ever seen in their life and it's it's something that they want to do. Then who are we to come in and be like, well, no, Bob can only work eight hours and he can only work 40 hours a week. Well, what if he doesn't only want to work eight hours? What if he's he has such a good work ethic or whatever? That's just the way he was raised because because he looks at work differently than we do as Americans, that he wants to work longer hours. And then this is sounds fucked up like I'm rooting for the corporations to have like slave labor for pay for paying nothing. But you can't go to. Let's say I went to whatever one of these countries and say I was like, hey, we're going to pay you American minimum wage, $15 an hour. That would blow their mind. You know what I'm saying? That's, that would be almost excessive even in their own country. I don't know. Does that now, make sense? He, it makes sense. Now, my question is what would the it being excessive to them – what do you believe that would do? I, well, my, my whole point is – and I know that sounds – the way I, I phrased that sounded super fucked up. Like I'm, like I'm advocating for like <laughs> for us to go and like – take people's places over. That's not what I'm asking or that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying we don't have to go to other countries and make their place into America. We don't. You know what I'm 100%. Saying? We don't. If we go somewhere else and we make improvements in their in their country, then that's awesome. That's good stuff. We don't necessarily need to come in and start forcing regulations down their throat that they would never follow and you know, like why would I ever do these? Cuz here in the US, we look at look at look in the US some of the regulations that companies have to follow because of stupid U.S. laws and like groups that have sued them. Like California has like Proposition 47 or some bullshit that they put on every label. Every building you go into has something that says this building has been known to have carcinogenic, you know, cancer causing substances to the state of California. Because literally anything can create cancer and, and they pass some law where that if they didn't have that label, you could be sued for possibly giving someone cancer. You know what I'm saying? And that's why all these places have that. Would we want to take something like that, like a regulation like that, and take it down there and make them follow those same kind of regulations? Because it's just stupid. So what I'm saying is – and that's so I hope that kind of clears it up a little bit. I think that we should export some of our values and allow people – if we have opportunities for people and people want to work or people want to do stuff, um, then we should. But we shouldn't also bring our values and our regulations and everything to full bear on a on a third world country that's just trying to get itself out of poverty. A hundred percent. So where do you stand on us not affecting their culture, letting their culture uh, evolve naturally, but giving them the means to get out of that poverty? So, for example, we do move the factory over there and we mm -hmm. do pay them American minimum wage. And, yeah, it blows their mind, whatever. They can set their family up with this blown out mind. But we do that and then we let them structure the laws around it. It's just the factory itself so that it could sustain and function properly has to follow our rules 
nothing else. We don't affect their culture whatsoever. We just give them the means to survive and well, do whatever they need to. Can you think you can drop something like that into a country and not affect the culture around it? Because then other other organizations around it will be like, hey, man, they don't have to work unless there's 16 lights on above them. We you guys are making us work under a single light. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like. It's stupid shit like that. You would never even think about. I don't know what the, if there's a hundred percent. And you're totally right. I never thought about that. You're totally right. That is a valid point. But then that comes back to we we would have the means. Look at it like this. Why do we have billionaires? Mm. Well, okay. First off, I do want to I do want to put this point out there. First off, I don't um, advocate for the moving of American businesses overseas. I think we have enough places in the United States that are going through tough times. Hell and stuff yeah, that we don't even use. support our own people. Yeah, that could use employers. Well, it, kind of, because right now, because right now, I guess there's more employees than there are, or there's more jobs than there are employees right now. Yeah. So maybe that's not the case. But I advocate for keeping jobs in the US if you can, if it's possible, if it's at all possible. You know, um, so that's what I advocate first for, or for first. <laughs> to your to your question though, I think if we if there's a way to go into an area and improve that area, improve the people's livelihood there, improve the environment around them, you know, and not necessarily like Greenpeace energy, whatever, but like better schools, better water systems, better whatever. If that's something that we can do and that's something a company wants to do on their own, you know, on their behalf, then they should do that. I think that billionaires should give money to charities. Uh, people say that I think I think Elon Musk gave like six billion dollars to charity last year, yeah. like the highest amount anyone's ever given. And people are like, "Well, that's a tax write-off." Well, yeah, to a point, not six yeah, billion dollars yeah. though. Like that's the whole thing's not. Um, I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I'm a very like, I'm a very. If you earn something, then you earned it. You know I believe like, that to the core. Yes, hundred percent. If people like hated on the Waltons, you know, who were the uh, family that owns Walmart for decades, like. They're tearing all the local businesses up. They're destroying everybody. Well, yeah, they might have been, you know, because they were putting out a product that was cheaper. Let's say it's a lot of us from China. Thanks. Um, you know, they were doing that and people were like, They'll, they can never be stopped. Like, why are we letting them run? Because no one can stop them. And then along came Amazon. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then, you know, people talk about Facebook is too, too powerful and too this and too that. And it's like, dude, there's going to be another company come along. There's always going to be yeah, another yeah, yeah. company. And the incentive for someone like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos to to create these companies and organizations that that not have only like enriched them beyond um, a human's wildest dreams, but it's also how many people does Amazon employ? How many people around the world receive employment from Amazon? How many people a day receive a package from Amazon? Like how convenient has that become? Look at Elon Musk. Who thought about the American space program before Elon Musk came around and was like, hey man, let's fucking do this on our side. Let's do a civilian side of this. You know, like let's make it happen. Let's do, I don't know, let's bore tunnels and see if that works. You know, let's do electric vehicles. To say Tesla didn't jumpstart the electric vehicle kind of infrastructure and thought process and, and conversation in the United States would be, would be wrong. Um, I think, man, if you, if people look at the actual money, like if you look at tax, you know, billionaires or, or the top 1% pays like of all income tax, the top 1% pays like 60% of, of all income tax. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, that's like a, the top 10% pay like 80, it's like 85%. 
um, of all the income tax that are collected. But they also hold 93% of the entire country's finances. I was going to say that I could be – I would be open to having a conversation about um, like a death tax kind of deal for over like a crazy ridiculous amount because – and only for the fact which you know the libertarians out there will hate me for that. But if you don't, these these like massive family businesses and families and stuff, look how much look how much farmland and shit Bill Gates is buying up. Like why does his family need to get all that when he dies? You know what I'm saying? At what point at what point is all that shit owned up by these guys that we'll never get it back from? You know what I'm saying? They're building their little kingdoms and stuff. See, this is actually where my point comes into because we have yeah. the we have people who own so much in such excessive quantities and it, i i'm distinguishing the people from the companies because i think you're completely right about amazon employs quite a couple of people in the conditions questionable but they, they do employ and it's you're getting money as opposed to not having a job right mm-hmm. but why does bezos need 200 million 200 billion dollars in the first place why don't we have now keep in mind i do support like if i made fucking 100 billion dollars get the fuck out of here that's my 100 billion dollars you could suck it <laughs> i'm keeping my yeah. money but realistically why didn't we come up with the cutoff point why why not say an individual shouldn't have more than a billion dollars and it gets immediately redistributed into the population. So if it if any dollar you make over the billion immediately goes to housing the poor or not even housing, because the problem is poor people are going to throw that into the garbage because they don't have the education. So it goes into educating people so that they can yeah. then learn how to use money in the first place. Um, so I will say this. Uh, I think that having been part of the U S government, you know, having worked for the government for 12 years on the, on the executive branch side and stuff like that, just the inability of lawmakers to manage our money properly. Why would I advocate for people to give up more of their money to a group of people that blows our money on stupid shit, you know, and, and on, on different things. Um, I don't know, man, it's, it's one of those things like everyone should pay taxes. Like everything should be, you know, we should be, um, you know, we're, we're all lifting each other up is what we should be doing. But I think if you get the government in to start limiting, like, hey, you can only make this much every year. Well, what's my incentive to go beyond that? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that going to like, there's people that are, there's, I know people, and it, it's at every level. I know people that are, that are like, if I get a job, then I won't get my welfare benefits. I've literally know people. That's so crazy to me. It's like if I if I start working, I'm going to make just enough to make more than um, I'm supposed to. So I'll lose my benefits, which is the same amount that I would get from working this shitty job. So why would I work? I've literally had that conversation with a member of my family. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, yeah, that's but fucked. that's the mindset of some people, because it's like if I'm it's at every level, like if I'm. If I'm looking at the end of the year and I'm a uh, and I'm looking at my pay and I make pretty good amount of money, I'm probably looking like how close am I getting to that next tax next tax bracket? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like at what point am I gonna have? Oh shit! I, I did twenty thousand dollars more than I should have, or ten thousand dollars more than I should have. Now I'm paying thirty five percent tax instead of twenty percent, or whatever the. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm I'm very I'm kind of disgusted with our our current government system right now just because I think that our money's getting blown. Um, I live in California. We lost at a minimum thirty billion dollars to to unemployment fraud last year. Thirty billion dollars of taxpayer money 
lost to, to criminals and shit. People in prison were getting these benefits and using them. Criminal Overseas gangs were was getting this money and using it. So when I see something like that, and now California is debating having a, a uh, mileage tax. So not only are you getting taxed the highest gas prices in the country – um, you know, it cost me almost $500 to get my, my, uh, vehicle registered not too long ago. Um, hold, now, hold up, now, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We, we got to backtrack right there. Repeat that last sentence you just said, and then explain why the fuck. It's a 2015 Jeep, bro. <laughs> it's nothing great. It's nothing crazy. Wow, what the and fuck was, do you mean? 500? <laughs> what? Almost $500 to get it to get registered. It, uh, why? To get it registered. That's just the price. And it's funny um, because because uh, electric car owners don't use gas. They're, they can't charge them with the gas tax. They pay a higher registration. I think it's over $600 to register a Tesla. What the so fuck? on top of that, now they're talking about using a mileage tax. So when you – let's say I go register my car this year. What's the mileage? 82500 Okay, next year. What's the mileage? Nine, you know, 97000 well, you pay fifteen. You drove fifteen thousand miles times point zero five cents. You know you owe one hundred and forty extra dollars because your mileage. That's you know what I'm saying. So no, I I don't think anybody should get any new taxes until we fucking figure out what the hell we're doing. Like, where's all this money going? You know that we're spending. Like, all right. So let's exit the realm of reality and establish <laughs> that we have a fully functional totally reliable provable we they agreed to be on camera 24 7 and that we can see anything and everything they ever discuss and we know exactly how the government functions and it's immaculate it's the most flawless government we've ever had do we tax the billionaires to cut off so that they only have nine hundred and ninety nine million nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars and every extra dollar goes to housing because we know the housing is factually functioning and we are also giving them education in this scenario where the government is flawless? Would you support that? Uh, maybe. I mean, that's a maybe. Again, I mean, in that kind of <laughs> in that kind of scenario that you're building here. Yeah, the I don't know. Maybe I I I have to stay on maybe. I'm I'm I just don't like how how the money's spent. I I've seen here in Cal again here. In, I hate to keep bringing it up here in California, the housing crisis um, that we have, which is crazy. You know, like I was I'm looking at apartments because I'd like to move into a different one. I'm not finding a three bedroom apartment. You know, that's not a shithole in some fucking like place where I'm going to get shot or out in the desert for less than $3,000 a month. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. crazy out here. Um, so the price of housing, my, so let me, let me back up a little bit. Sorry. I'm like hopped up on coffee and stuff. We spend so much money on homeless people in California and we have so many homeless people. The big secret out here that no one talks about is that we have a bunch of homeless shelters that no homeless people are in. There's homeless shelters that are not, they're not full. There's, there's not homeless people all over the streets because the homeless shelters are full. Oh, so there's the homeless, homeless shelters actually more dangerous than being on the street. No, it's, it's not that it's, they, they won't allow them to use drugs in the homeless shelter. You have oh. to be sober and you have to, you have to follow by, you have to follow their rules. So they, there's a curfew. There's all that stuff. What's the effect of that where we go, Hey, we're spending 20. I mean, I think. God, look up the California, how much California spends on homeless people. It's like $10 billion a year or something crazy. Um, 
the effect of that where we are having all these programs that are being underutilized and we're having law enforcement no longer allowed to ticket people for camping in public or different things leads to me. Literally yesterday I was walking my dog and there's a guy just pissing on the side of a building. And this isn't like he's in an alleyway and, he, you know, I got to piss real quick. Literally in front of a building on the main avenue right here, like which is a main road in San Diego. And he's just standing right there in the open pissing on the side of the building. You walk by piles of human feces. I've taken my kid to Balboa Park, and there's places in Balboa Park we used to go play and hang around that we don't go anymore because they're homeless camps. And I've seen, you know, you, you have people smoking meth out in the open. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not, nothing's happening because if they get arrested, they're not getting prosecuted. They're getting put in jail, and then a couple hours later, they're back out on the street doing the same thing. So we're not really addressing the problem. What we're doing is we're feeding this this homeless industrial complex. There's, I mean, there's whole organizations. That's their whole, that's their whole thing is being is the homeless crisis. And if what happens if the homeless crisis is solved? Well, they're out of a job. Yes, that is exactly are, the problem. Yep. You think these people that are that have six figure salaries, really good salaries here in California, are going to give up their their cushy jobs where they just have to go down to the homeless shelter that no one's in? You know, once a week and check on it. Like, no, man. It's, All right. Um, okay. So uh, the government functions perfectly, right? We got, we got it. We got that down. And I, I have forced that every dollar over a billion goes to your pocket. And I've made you exclusively the president. Everybody in the world has agreed. You're, you've got the power. We're going to give you the ability to write any law. Right. To, to pass any situation that you think is the right way to solve the problem. What is step mm. one towards solving the homeless problem? Um, step one to solving the homeless problem you got infinite money would be to infinite money is one. I, I would build, I would, I think there should be housing for homeless people. I think there should be, um, I, I hate to say camps, but you know, it's like we lived in the squad, we call them squad bays, in the Marine Corps, where it's a room with a bunch of bunks, you know, and everyone can live in them, sleep in them, whatever. I think there should be places if people, there's, there's people in society that reject society, that reject work, that reject housing. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to live in a house. They don't, they, there's literally people on the streets that want to be there. Yeah. I, watched a, I think I those people should be allowed to though. I watched a homeless dude burning money that people gave him <laughs> when I was down in, down on the, uh, um, freaking down in San Diego. And, um, so I would build housing. It wouldn't be on the beachfront. You know, the fact that California is spending $800,000 per unit for homeless people, uh, right by the beach is mind blowing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's no right to live in this property where you could gain taxes. You know, you want to tax billionaires more, but instead you're building homeless properties on million dollar, you know, valuable property where you could have a company come in and build an apartment building or build in a, you know, whatever commercial building. Um, so one, I would, I would enforce the laws. If you're out on the street, you're walking around naked. It happens. You're fucking going to jail, man. If you're laying on the street and you're naked, you're going to jail, man. Like that's the thing. And it, and it may be like, Hey, maybe we figure out a new legal system for like the homeless population. Where we're like, Hey, this guy, this guy is rejecting humanity. You know, like he's not going to follow the laws. All we're doing is arresting him and putting him in jail. You know, no one deserves to sit in a cage because they don't want to you know, living on an apartment. You know what I'm saying? But you can't come out here and fucking smoke meth in front of my business. Yeah, that's hardcore. That's a bad one. <laughs> you know what I'm that's saying? You know, you can't take a shit in front of my business. That's just, 
It's sad, man. It's sad. If you, I don't know where you're, I don't know where you live, but here in San Diego, it's sad sometimes. We're not in Jersey. When, well, I'm sure Jersey's got some of the same problems in some of the big cities, but when you're walking down the street and I'm a big dude, you know, I'm like six foot tall, you know, I'm a big guy and I'll see like a female on the other side of the street walking by a homeless person and I'm watching the situation because I'm like, if this dude snaps, then I'm going to have to go do something. You know, and it's sad that I got to think like that because you never know when one of these homeless people are going to snap and fucking stab you or something. You know, it's just right, but um, when it comes to the drugs at the end of the so, day, doing these hardcore drugs outside is illegal regardless of who you are. It's illegal, but no one's they're not getting arrested, though, because it's not they're not getting prosecuted. So the police, the police departments in California are being directed to not arrest people for certain things because they're like the prosecutors aren't going to do anything about it. So if they are arrested, so even if they are, let's say you're smoking meth, the cop pulls up right when you're taking a big hit. He's like, hey, bro, seen you doing it in public. We're going to arrest you. You're going to jail. They're going to give you a write you a ticket and then they're going to let you, they're going to release you you're, the same day. It's no cash bail. You know, it's same day. You're just and then you come back to your your hearing later on. But if you're a homeless person, what incentive do you have to come to the hearing? You know, like it. So I don't know, man. It's to a point. It, I, I, I listened to a guy named I think his name was Michael Schermberger or something like that on um, Joe Rogan recently. And he was talking about being in Norway I think it was Norway. It was one of the Nordic countries and how they're like, Hey, Hey, crackhead living on the street. We're, we're going to take you in. We're going to give you shelter. We're going to give you, um, uh, mental health. You know, you can sit down and talk to a therapist, try to get you off drugs. We're giving you this opportunity. If they reject that and they end up back on the streets, that's when they arrest them. It's like, it's a multiple, we're giving you multiple opportunities. It wasn't like the first time. It's like three or four times. Like, look, man, we're trying to help you. We're trying to, you know, bring you back into the fold and want you to be a productive member of society. But if you're rejecting everything, we're not going to stand for you sitting here smoking meth or you putting up your entire tent encampment, you know, 50 people in tents right next to a school, you know. Alternatively, I don't know why we haven't. Uh, I think uh, as humans, we have this sort of obsession with uh, doing what each of us does. So we, we, we've become comfortable with the idea of society and we feel comfortable if everybody else is doing the same thing. And the anarchy of somebody completely rejecting society and us witnessing that is kind of it's it's repulsive to us to some degree that would make sense that in a situation where somebody's so actively avoiding society and rejecting it actively, even if there was not even drugs associated with them, that they're just actively like, I reject society. We have a lot of empty land in the country that's used for nothing. Why don't we cut off a piece and decide, go live over there where there's nothing where you could they do literally, the So they literally do that out here. There's a spot which I'm, I'm all about it. I'm with you. I'm like, hey, man, if you reject society, you want to be amongst, you know, either no one or people like you um, in California out in um, out in the desert a little bit. There's a town called Slab City. If you haven't heard of it, look it up. Um, it's a it's like a hippie art slash homeless community out in the desert. And it's just like all these people live out there. It's nearby a lake. Oh, what is the name of that lake? We, I, I'm trying to think of the name of the lake. It's really popular right now because they think it has lithium under it. So they're like, oh. oh. But it's this lake that is dead. It's a dead lake. There used to be a beach resort there called Bombay Beach. And um, it was like a happening place in like the 50s and 60s. And it was this artificially formed lake that 
started, I think, from some runoff from some like local canals or something to do with the farming. Yeah. And what happened was is there was no outlet for that water and the water became saltier and saltier and it just killed everything. And if you go out there, it smells like dead fish. There's little bones along the beach. But now it's just this huge art community and like homeless people just live in however they want. You know, they it's people that have rejected society. I'm all about it, man. You're right. We have a ton of land and that's and I'm for that. But some of these people aren't, man. Some of these people are literal are literally criminals that just want to live on the street and No, fuck I those mean, people. We, those people <laughs> if you reject society and we give you the opportunity and the transportation to get the fuck out to go live in this place where the people like you are or there's nobody, your option, and you mm-hmm. choose to come back into society to reject society, no, go to jail because that doesn't make any sense. You're contradicting yourself at that point. Yeah, and to me, in in a community like that, if that's what you want, then let's let's spend some of this money that we're putting into this again, this homeless industrial complex here in Southern California, this multi billion dollar industry. Let's take a little bit of that money and build like a good well system for them out there, a good way so that hey, if you're gonna live out here, you want to reject society, at least you got toilets, you know, at least you got running water, at least there's a shower available if you want it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's my take on it. And I, I have a lot of sympathy, man, for there's some homeless people that are homeless because it's it's tough. It's a circumstantial it's a yeah. out there. Like I said a little bit ago, fucking rent three thousand dollars a month, dude, for a three bedroom apartment. And that's not uncommon. That's kind of on the cheaper end. Um, you're talking about gas. It's at five dollars a gallon here in Southern California. You know what I'm saying? Like there's people going to be forced out of their homes because of that. So there are people that that need help. And it's weird. Once you're here long enough, you see the, the new homeless. Like you can tell, like this person is someone that is having a tough time. They're kind of out on the street. And then you see the majority, the 95%, which is all crackheads and fucking people that are tweaked out, passed out on sidewalks, walking around, screaming, tweaking, walking in front of you in traffic. You know, like it's, uh, it's, um, you lose your sympathy real fast after you've been screamed at, you know, and this is coming from someone myself. I've I've bought coffee for homeless people. I've bought food for home. I remember I bought a banana for. I was going into a Starbucks and there's this little old lady outside of it, and I'm like, man, you know, she's an old woman. She probably, you know, she's not. Maybe it is drugs, but she's also old. You know, what is she going to do at this point in her life? So I'll buy her a coffee. So I go in, I get a coffee and a banana. Walk out and I hand it to her. She's like, hands me the banana back. She's like, nah, it upsets my stomach. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You're picking and choosing, like, food? How bad uh, off are you, really? All right, you let know? me follow like, this train of thought real quick. So if you come across a homeless person, right? Let's say he's 25 years old. He's homeless he, outside, young kid. And he, not getting shit. He, he, now, you, he, he's honest to you, and he's like, I'm going to use it for drugs. But he also tells you, I'm going to do this where nobody can see. And look at me right now. I'm perfectly functional. I'm perfectly fine. I don't, I'm polite. I'm kind to people. You're... Not giving him money. Fuck no, man. Is he going to give me some weed money? Come on. No. But you would use the money for weed. Yeah, for, for myself. The money that I earned for myself? Yeah. Now, if a guy hey goes, hey, man, you got some work for me? Will you pay me to do some work? I would do that. If someone had like... If, if literally like if I, sometimes I have work here that, you know, you just don't want to do. You know, I work from home. So it kind of gets old sometimes. If I had something where, you know, I could pay someone to come in and do it, I would totally give a 10 bucks an hour or something to a homeless guy to come in and work, 15 bucks an hour or whatever to, for a homeless dude to come in and work or buy him lunch or 
or whatever. Um, I, I think some people, you know, they got to lift themselves up by the bootstraps as much as people hate to hear that. That's the case for a lot of people, man. That's the case for a lot of people. Again, there are those out there that are just, it's a hard off spot. You know, they're in a tough spot right now or maybe they need mental health. Fucking, I think we do need to spend more money on mental health stuff on, on some stuff like that. I think that would be great. But I think a lot of these people, man, again, I, I, I can now that I've lived out here long enough, I can see people that are homeless because they're hard off. And I can see people that are homeless because they're just fucking crackhead drug addicts and they're just not going to come back into society. You know, then I got a question for you. What of the people who are just designed in such a way that they, the society isn't meant for who they are. So we, most of us, there's a natural human drive that uh, leads us to want to be productive to some degree, at least most of us. We yeah. want to do a thing. We want to do a job. It's, it, it, we prove it's this. Satisfying. in the, Yes, exactly. There, there was a country that they uh, approved the um, universal basic income. And as an experiment, they did it as an experiment. And I believe it was actually one of the Nordic countries as well. And in doing this, they actually noticed that people went to work more often rather than less because you gave them, you just gave them the money, but this allowed them to clean up, do their hair, buy the clothing, to feel confident, to go to the interview, get the things they needed that made them feel right. And instead of being lazy, they went ahead and started applying for jobs more frequently. And most of them actually got the jobs because they were also more presentable. So there are the people who have that strive, but in that same experiment, they found out that there's a group of people who the actual chore of working is so overwhelmingly depressing that it caused mental health problems only after they found themselves with the obligation of having to work as opposed to not to. So there are people who are actively designed in such a way, their genetics or some psychological factor, not that there's something wrong with them, but forcing them to function within a society designed for most of us. Well, there is something wrong with them though, right? Because that's your own survival. I mean, you know your own survival leads, I mean, working leads to your survival. What would happen to that person 10,000 years ago that says, ah, fuck it, I'm not going to hunt today, you know, or I'm not going to... Ooh, but that's shaky ground. I, I like to compare that exact scenario to something like autism, right? So the idea behind autism is that uh, your brain is totally different. There's nothing uh, intellectually wrong with the person. Uh, the easiest way to differentiate autism is that uh, uh, the, main, the uh, neurotypical brain has the senses of sound, the senses of sight, and the senses of uh, smell that are very prominent. That's how we navigate the world. We see, we hear, and we smell, and we guide through the world with that. And then when it comes to just critical thought, we, you, we use symbolism and we have critical thinking through subtext. Mm -hmm. While uh, somebody who has a, an, um, an atypical brain usually has uh, high tactile sensations, uh, they're symbolic the, the part of their mind that rationalizes symbolism isn't as prominently developed and so they're significantly more literal, but people who have this uh, type of brain tend to be, for example, engineers are the best engineers tend to be the autistic engineers because they are so literal. They see everything function to this degree. So it's a different mm -hmm. way of learning, but we've developed the world for the neural typical brain so that we don't have naturally until now that it's becoming more common and we're discussing it. And, but for a very long time, people who had autism 
did not have the tools to even develop the proper way. We would try to teach them the same way we taught everybody else. But instead of teaching you through language, maybe we teach you through sight first and then you learn to develop language later. And so we've made it overwhelming just to be you because we've decided society should function this way. The same way that like the world is designed for the right-handed person and most people don't even realize that there are left-handed scissors. Mm-hmm. But you... I'm a lefty. I yeah, the pain. exactly. So you had to learn to use a right-handed scissor just because. And no one fucking cared, right? Nobody gave no a shit. Ca- no one gave a shit. Exactly. You know, you know 1,500 left-handed people die a year using right-handed tools? That's crazy. I'm also fun, left-handed dominant. Fun fact. Yeah. So so over time, I would say uh, evolution, natural selection, unfortunately... The weaker people of a um, of a species are going to die off as technology's gotten better, and we've realized we've understood autism better. We've understood how you know someone like Helen Keller who couldn't who couldn't see or hear you know Managed how they communicated yep. you know better. Then we could we could um, create things to help them function in society better or we've also created you know jobs or whatever for these people that they're good at everyone has a purpose i'm you know what i'm saying everybody's got a purpose but if you're like hey man i'm gonna sit here and smoke meth and i'm not ever gonna work and i'm not ever gonna look for food on my own and i'm just gonna sit here in my own filth and i don't care then i don't care either you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to care a little bit about yourself. Well, like, I understand the meth part. Like, that's hardcore and you don't have to fund somebody's habit. But in general, somebody who legitimately struggles with the concept of, like, they want to exist within society. Mm-hmm. They need no, the, the social interaction. They love people. They love talking to people. They'll do basic things. Like, I can, like, help you carry your groceries. But the idea of ritualizing of nine to five, not even nine to five, of having to go through the processes of, uh, I myself... Right. I, I live a particularly unique lifestyle in which I've avoided needing nine to five. I've never had to have a stable job the way that most people do. I've liberated myself since day one. I left Sweet. high school and I made sure that by no fucking means would I ever be subject to doing what the fuck everybody else does. I'm better than everybody else. Fuck everybody that's how, else. That's how I feel right now. That's how I've been. Exactly. You free yourself through your own means, right? Yeah. That concept feels also like work to some people not just the nine to five but the idea of just that entire push and the depressing atmosphere of it some people can simply not cope and Mm -hmm. some people abuse you know systems that are in place for sure and so my my thing is too is why does again why does it come back to the why does the government need to take care of us for this why do why do we need the government to be big brother to step in and stuff like that it, this used to be one of the key points of being in a church or something like that is th- that religious people give more charity than anyone else you know what i'm saying churches used to be these organizations that took care of the needy that took care of the homeless and stuff like that the communities would come together to take care of these people and for whatever reason, we live in this time now where everybody thinks that the government should be the one, you know, fully taking care of stuff. And, then, you know, I reject that notion. I just think it's uh, there's too many people that milk the system. Hell yeah. I think when when you start seeing again, you know, you come back to how much how much of our tax money is wasted every year. And, and we just get keep being told, like, give us a little bit more. Give us a little bit more. You're not paying enough. You're not paying your fair share. You know, so and so needs it. Timmy needs it. Little Timmy, you know, like. 
there's people that need help and we should help those people for sure. But there's too much waste and stuff. I just can't advocate for adding taxes to anybody until we start cutting some programs. And when I again, when I, so when I talked earlier about military spending, there is a lot of bullshit that happens in the military, a lot of waste. Um, a lot of it comes down to proprietary. Like I buy I buy this piece of equipment from Raytheon, but it comes with a proprietary battery. So now when I buy another piece of equipment from this other company, now I got to buy a whole nother battery. You know, it's like stuff like that where it's just bullshit. And we do waste a lot of money going through equipment. But I think that also leads us to having the best equipment. You know what I'm saying? Um, with the homeless people, I don't know, man. Well, you got just, the perfect government and infinite money. What are you going to do? Well, I would again, I would I would increase mental health. I would increase mental health. I would make these areas like Slab City more like, hey, this is where if you have completely rejected society, if you're just going to sit here and shit on the sidewalk where like, let's say here in San Diego, this is a vacation. This is a tourist town. So a lot of these businesses rely on tourist money. Well, you think I'm going to spend my money at a restaurant where some dude's shitting out in front of it? I'm probably not going to go there. You know what I'm saying? So if you if that's the way you want to live, cool. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I, I like the whole, like we were talking earlier with uh, Norway or whichever country it was. I'm going to give you an opportunity to better yourself. We're going to pick you up. We're going to take you to a shelter. We're going to get you cleaned up, take a shower, you know, get you, sit, sit you down with a therapist, sit you down with like a drug counselor, kind of try to figure shit out. And then, you know, you can't keep someone. It's, it's against the law to just hold someone like that. And so do whatever we got to do there. But if, it, if you keep doing it, if I keep picking you up, because you're smoking meth or you're screaming or you're, you know, fucking stabbing people, whatever. Um, no, man. You're I mean, get, at that point, yeah, you go for the fucking jail. You're if get, you're affecting somebody else negatively, you got to be put away. Dude, here in California, man, even if you get into a fight, you're out of jail the same day. There was a guy, there was a guy in California, uh, I want to say it was in Venice Beach, who stabbed someone or got into a fight and they arrested him and put him in jail. And then he was out the same day. And then he stabbed a, a tourist. Uh, there was a family at the beach, and he stabbed the dude in the eye with like a machete. Lost his, his dad that just on vacation lost his eye because some homeless guy freaked out. You know? Do you think prisons are good private, or should the government be forced to take care of them so that they actually correct the situation rather than punish the people? Because they don't no, want to keep the people wasting their money. They want that money in their pocket. I think this is the solution, right? They're greedy. And they want the money in their pocket, which means holding people. I got to. Oh, you're talking about for the prisons? For, for the, the prisons. Because if the government ran the prison itself, then the government has to pay out of pocket. Now, they don't want to do that. I need you to be good and not end up here again. So I got I would, it's correctional rather than punishment. Yeah, for sure. I would have to understand better the prison system. Honestly, I think just my again, my own interaction with the U.S. government and the way they take care of even you know their own military. I would say private prisons are probably nicer. Than government-run prisons, oh, you know no, what I'm saying? No. Uh, they're they're not. No, 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 no. I know state prisons are worse than federal prisons. Do you have any friends who are in gangs or criminal of any sort? You don't have to name <laughs> drop anybody. I I have family that's been to jail. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I know anybody that's been to prison. One of my uncles had been to prison for I think. I think he was making meth. I think he went to prison for Shit. that. But <laughs> go yeah. somewhere dangerous and meet somebody kind. Homework for you. Go somewhere dangerous and meet somebody kind and just ask them. 
what the do you mean? difference. Go somewhere where you know people would regularly end up in prison, whether it be through oh, dude. systematic uh, racism or whether it be through actual cr- crime or whatever the case might be, and just mm-hmm. pose the question of which is better and let them tell you. Yeah, that, that, I'd be interested to hear, honestly. I mean, I live in a neighborhood where there's probably people that have gone. I mean, I'm not in a nice neighborhood in San Diego. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I highly recommend. <laughs> it's an enlightening experience. Sometimes I wonder if that's a gunshot in the distance or someone shooting off fireworks from Mexico. That's, I don't necessarily, you know, because that's they bring over the fireworks from, from Mexico and shoot them off here in the hood yeah. sometimes. So No, the two things that you can probably get any person who's been to prison to agree is definitely the government should be in charge of all of them okay. so that they get you the fuck out in the appropriate amount of time mm. as opposed to trap you there in the worst conditions for profit. I've, I've So I've heard this argument about the for-profit prisons that they are using, that they are keeping people in jail longer than they're supposed to be to maintain a certain like amount of uh, capacity or whatever at the prison itself. Yes. I again, I've only heard a few talking points on this, so I'm not educated enough to to formulate an argument either way. You know, I've heard that that's not the case, that that's a that that's a there's spot issues. That's not a case, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah, entire, yeah. you know, there's always going to be corruption no matter 100% guess what, unavoidable. guess what people, there's doctors that are pedophiles. There's freaking oh, everyone, yeah. every there's teachers that are freaking rapists. You know what I'm saying? There's people out there that are murderers. There's this uh, zero defect mentality that we have for people is really bad. And I think that you're going to find corruption in a prison system. Is it through the entire system or are we talking about individual prisons that have problems that have been identified? Well, now I have something to propose to you in response to that and in your view of the government. Mm -hmm. And I apply this to every single thing I ever think about and I always forget it and I always got to remind myself. I try to discipline myself just to think about this one phrase consistently. It's never the system. It's always the people. Well, the people are the system. Sort of. For example, if you think of how the government works, right? The, the, the design of the government, the structure, the positions that are there, regardless of yeah. who fills the position, on paper, immaculate. We have the best system in the world. Nobody can fuck with it. That being said, people get into the position and do corrupt shit. For sure, yeah. Now, it's never that the system was fucked. People just go out of their way to exploit the loopholes and do corrupt yeah. shit. So yeah, there was no, there's nothing wrong with the government. There's nothing wrong with the prison industrial complex. There's nothing in wrong with education. The education system is fascinating. I, I, we have consistently heard throughout our lives that the Western education system is garbage, right? People don't learn shit. We're mm-hmm. underinformed. But you have a country in which literally anything is possible. And what do they do in school? Well, they show you science and math and this and that. And they give you a bunch of electives and arts and this. And, well, because anything is possible, you need to see all the options. We're designing an educational system that's going to show you all the possibilities. So by the time you get to college, you can pick which one of the many things you saw works. The system works for where we are. All the systems are perfect. It's the people finding the loophole in there. Uh, maybe. I don't. I would say if you have the loopholes and the system's not perfect, right? Well, you, you would never have a system that is immaculate, but you have a system that is in every way usable for the benefit and in no way used for the benefit by the people there. Yeah. The system is – people are, people are always going to – power corrupts people. It's just – it is yes. what it is. It's just always going to be that way. Everybody's different. Everybody's born with a different brain. 
you know, again, like I was saying in the military, it's almost like the real world where if you work a regular job, sometimes you hate your boss. Sometimes you don't. Some guys are cool. Some guys aren't. You know, it's just it is what it is. And some people are going to use their position of authority to do things that they shouldn't do. It, it, you're not going to get rid of that. It's just uh, it's an unfortunate reality that we live in, which, you know, adds to the argument to why would we give more money to that corrupt system that we know people are exploiting right now. It's yeah. funny to watch. It's funny to watch all the Congress people be like, what people are insider trading. We should, we should ban <sighs> insider trading from Congress. It's like, no shit. No shit. No, the funniest shit about that is when this whole process began with the uh, meme stocks like um, yeah. GameStop. And, and it's like, okay, so a bunch of civilians learned to do exactly what you've been doing for years and years and years and years and years. And now you're mad. And now you're mad and you want legislation. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so um, there was a guy on Twitter that tracked. And posted every time Nancy Pelosi made a trade. Every time he posted, like, here's what she's because they have to they have to put it into uh, they have to um, report it every time they make a trade. So every time she made a trade and reported it, he posted it on Twitter, and people were making money off of <laughs> off of this. And Twitter it became a popular page, and Twitter came in and banned the page. They got rid of it because they're like, I don't know, you say whatever you want to say. You know that goes into the conspiracy theory realm of of why they're taking them down, but it seems pretty suspicious. You know, I mean, they probably him. floated Jack some money so that he could, you know. Jack's out. Jack's out. He's no longer oh, he CEO. Got out. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, shit, he quit like uh, three or four. I think he probably he was like, dude, fuck this. Like, what am I doing? I'm super rich. I can go live wherever I want. Yeah. You know, like, like why keep taking heat over shit? Yeah, like, dude, let someone else take it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they passed it off to a new guy a couple months ago, um, and I. Don't know if he's an Indian or Indian American. I don't, I don't know if he, I think he's actually Indian. He came from the. They have a very, um, a very well-renowned, um, like kind of like MIT. They have a place like that in India, and um, now the head of Twitter came from there. The head of I think Google came from there. The head of um, maybe YouTube as well. I know Google or YouTube falls under that, but yeah, I think. A lot of dudes are coming out of this university in India that are like super high level tech dudes. Um, so that's pretty impressive. But, you know, people and people looked at his record and they're like, oh, this dude's going to be even more censorship. Like there's a lot of journalists right now that are upset. I'm tired of censorship, uh, bro. You know, I'm a, I'm I'm a let it all out, man. Say what you want to say. Say what you got to say. I mean, you know, based a, on what you listened to of this show, you can see how little fucks I give. I am. I refuse. Yeah. Cancel me and, sooner. Fuck it. Well, and the thing is, is why would someone why would someone even fucking care if they listen to it and they go, man, this guy's crazy or whatever, then turn it off. Yes. Don't <laughs> listen. Know? No one's telling you you have to to to. What what kind of life are you living where you have to like listen? Let's say they listen to your show, and now I'm like actively campaigning to have you removed. You know, like I'm gonna make sure I post it on social media. I get canceled every other week, man. I'm gonna get other people to come on and and say that you should get removed. And I mean, what what a shitty life that you're living if you're like in that. But that's you know, it's uh, it's almost like um. I like the description for those kind of people. You know, it's obviously mostly a lot of left, a lot of left-leaning people. And now you're seeing a lot of yep. right-leaning people come back and be like, well, let's cancel them because they canceled us. You know? And yeah, it's, it's like you're doing the same shit then. <sighs> let's just stop canceling everybody. Man. Yeah, why don't we, why do we need to bend others to our will rather than just, well, I don't like what you're doing. Okay, change the channel, bro. 
Like, yeah. how hard is that? I I'm so I'm kind of torn where they're like, hey, you know, we need to regulate social media companies so that free speech, you know, they shouldn't be deleting people's accounts. If you're saying that Donald Trump can't delete tweets because people have a constitutional whatever to tweet at him or he can't block people because that, that went through the courts. You know, Donald Trump can't uh, block people when he was president because they have a constitutional right to see what he's tweeting as president. But then you turn around and how can you also ban people? Because now I can't see what people are fucking, you know, I thought I had a right yep. to see what he was saying. Yep, it's yep, one yep. or the other. Um, peop, so Please, you think I, these I, arguments make fucking sense? They're contradicting themselves consistently. It's, oh, no, yeah. It's always, always a contradiction. But I'm, I'm wary of getting government involved. You know, I'm wary of them stepping in because the government fucks up everything. Because it's so bureaucratic. It's so... There's so many people behind the scenes that are like hooking a dude up for this or, hey, man, I mean, you know, we'll use your company because of that. Or, hey, guy, I'm a government worker. I can do whatever I want. I'm not going to get fired. You never hear about government workers getting fired. They can be shitty as fuck. Once you become a GS employee, like a GS-12, GS-10, whatever the, your rating is as a government worker, you're not going to get fired. It's so hard to get people fired. from. That's why our government's inefficient because of the bureaucratic moron or the bureaucracy has allowed these morons to keep working even though they suck. All right. Instead so perfect government, people, infinite money. Fix it. Oh, well, I would probably fire a lot of people. I would probably get rid of a lot of stuff in the government. I would cut back on a lot of things and I would just say, take the money back and give that money back to people. You know what I'm saying? To which like, people? People they took it from? To the taxpayers, man. Give it back. You know, give the government's too bloated. I think if anybody's yeah. anybody yeah. says the government's like everything's going well with the government is kind of they're not paying attention. The government's too bloated. There's too many committees. You know, if I want to get something done now, I got to get so-and-so to approve it. And then his boss has got to approve it. And then his boss has got to approve it. And then a board has to sit around and just debate it and then approve it or deny it or or maybe have another you know company come in for competition. That's why all our shit is like months and months behind. That's why government computers, they make fun of them because they suck because the whole process is – extremely lengthy, uh, confusing and expensive, you know? So I would cut a shit ton of regulations. I would simplify everything. I would simplify the tax code down to something where everybody pays the same amount, like percentage wise, you know, that like, I agree with so fucking highly. Yes. A hundred percent. I find it such exaggerated bullshit. Like I, yeah, I, I, I basically play devil's advocate to any idea, but where I'd honestly stand is it doesn't matter how much money you have. We set a number. And if you're an American fucking citizen, that's the percent. No matter how yeah. much money you made. If you yeah. got $100 billion and I said 7%, that's a fuck ton of money. I don't need to bring that up. And if you made $10 and I said 7%, that's an incremental nothingness. Mm -hmm. So it's fair we to give everybody the same number. For sure. We got and we, we got to really start as citizens. We really got to start checking these programs that we're funding and that these different initiatives where they're like, oh, well, we have to commission a study to, to see the environmental impact on this before we build anything or we have to do this before this. It's like I'm going to commission a study. The governor has to have a study. So he's going to get a group of people to figure out if this is the best idea. Go figure that group of people just happens to be his buddies and stuff. And now he gets to pay them a $200,000 consultant fee, you know, for coming in and helping 
you know, write up this study that they needed. It's that's the way it works, and it's fucking bullshit. And I think a lot of people are seeing that. Um, I think when it comes to attacks, the Tankian system definitely works, which is it's a system invented by uh, Serge Tankian, the lead singer of uh, System of a Down. In which you, yeah, totally awesome, badass. But it's uh, a system in which you get a list of all the play when you vote. Every time you go to vote, you can opt in or out of the following process, which is you get a list in the same computer, which you, you know, vote for president or governor or whatever, a list of everything that tax goes to. And there is a, Mm. uh, here's all your, your percentage of tax. You could break it up into any variation. So you get just told, okay, the 7% tax, but here's the 100% of your 7% tax. And so here is all the places that tax goes to your tax money as a citizen. So whether mm-hmm. it be medical programs or uh, policing programs or um, yeah. firefighting, military, whatever, and you just keep clicking to distribute it evenly amongst anything. You could leave things in zero. You could put 100% into one thing if mm. you wanted to, but you distribute it according to how you want it to be distributed so that no matter what, the actual funding that the entire country decided on is what gets funded, not what some asshole in a fucking chair decided was the right well, place to go. I would say that has its advantages and disadvantages. There's a lot of morons out there. so <laughs> Yes, but we don't get to decide, to decide that because you're stupid, you don't have a say. So what if you say, what if someone gets on the ballot like, hey, we're going to build housing for puppies, sad puppies, sad sick puppies is now on the ballot. How many people are not going to, you know, that's going to be high up. So now yes, what but the people if, want it. What, what happens if we're like, all right, 80% of our $3 trillion budgets go into sick, sad puppies? That's what the people wanted. Do we that, get to see, question that, what the people wanted? That, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to because that's what the people wanted. I do think I do think that our Congress should not be allowed to make these super fucking crazy thousand page bills and be able to pass those. I think they need to go line by line and start voting on some of the stuff, which would give you what you're talking about, where I'm seeing where the votes go and where the money is actually going. Cause you know, you find, you know, you hear about the pork hidden in a lot of these bills and stuff like that. We're, it's in the millions and billions of dollars, yeah. you know, that's just getting wasted because we're doing a, a nice, we want Senator so-and-so to vote for our, our next coming legislator. So I'm throwing his district a bone and, you know, now they're going to get a little extra funding for roads over there. Well, you know, actually so now he's, the benefit of the Tankian system is also that one of the places you'd be funding is the government itself. So you could decrease funding to the government directly and now they can have less employees or everybody gets less pay collectively because you decided less money in that direction. On the flip side, there is the argument of which, yes, there are stupid people. And where do we draw the line, right? You can't just say that if you're dumb, you shouldn't get to vote for the puppy. If you want the puppy, you should get to vote for puppy, uh, whatever the fuck, you know? And throw all the money you want in there. Now, we could say that people are fucking stupid, which is the reality of the matter. And, like, by vast majority, people are fucking stupid. But also, that's a problem that we've made as a country, right? We've systematically closed off some schools and district areas so that only your neighborhood funds your school. And so you don't have great education. So your say is garbage. But it's kind of because we made your say garbage through a bunch of processes because your school can't get good funding because you're in a shitty neighborhood and we forced you there in the first place because we didn't let you go into a good neighborhood to get the funding in the school that would make you smarter. So we could go the opposite way. And say that only people beyond a certain level of intellect are the ones who get the say at all. So then we say you have your bare minimum college degree, a four-year college degree, and you have to be only 
responsible for the vote specifically about the area of expertise you are in. So if you are a economist, then you get to choose where the funds for certain things go. If you are a person who works in infrastructure, then you get to choose how that is distributed. But only the experts in each respective area then get to choose because we've decided the people are stupid. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. That's like that's akin to having a poll tax or something like that or hey, you have to meet this requirement of So then where do you draw the line? For that, I think I think everybody should have the right. I think anybody that wants to go vote should go vote. I don't think there's For uh, where your tax goes. Oh, where the tax goes. Yes. I, again, I think I I like the idea of having I like the idea of what we have, but with more with the maybe there's a maybe we put a limit on hey a bill can only be this big and if it's over this big then you have to break it down line by line so we can see what's in this bill what was in the three trillion dollars that we spent over the last year you know what I'm saying and these these passages that have been spent what's really in that do we really know you know what I'm saying um, I I just think I I don't know that's just my opinion I think uh, I think we have a good system where you're the theory is you're supposed to be voting for who's the best person for the job. You're supposed to be voting in. These Never happens. Come, it's always whoever's most popular. Yeah. You know, but it's a popularity contest. And then you have morons that have a ton of money or backed by a ton of money that can get into office. And they're just a puppet head for some kind of, you know, someone Ooh, that's out there trying to make. Uh, there is. um, What is it called? I forgot what the name was. It's uh, sort of the attention distribution method or some crap like that, where it's one. Uh, we track every penny that every politician who's in the running is using. And the fund is exactly the same for everybody. You're not allowed to accept outside money. And we can prove this by giving you only a certain amount of TV time so that everybody has the same TV time. Everybody has the same amount of ads distributed equally amongst all the different locations so that you're uh, equally exposed to everybody at all times. And you're not allowed to speak propaganda. You're only allowed to speak your respective points. You're never allowed to mention the other opponent. You're only allowed to mention what it is that you are capable of doing in the first place mm -hmm. and let people completely make an informed decision after you've given them only the facts of the matter that you are claiming that you can do with equal amounts of distribution, equal amounts of exposure for each and every single candidate without exception, regardless of what party they come from, including independent. I think, well, I don't know, man. I think being able to criticize your opponent is key because you can point out, like, if I say that, hey, guys, I'm going to I'm gonna do this awesome thing for you all. I mean, there's a huge loophole in what I'm saying that I'm not pointing out. You know, I'm just, I'm taking out what I'm doing out of context to make it look good. I think you should have someone come from the outside and go, hey, that's not right. What are you talking about? That's, that's incorrect, sir. You know, like this is what's really going to happen. I don't know, man. It's a, it's, it's a, we live in a weird situation, but the alternative is like, tribal mentality and i've been places where the tribal mentality is out there where everybody runs their areas and it's sketchy i mean that's you know what, what this country is dealing with right now nah not really we say that we say that and there is there is a tribal mentality but it's you don't think the extreme left and extreme right are tribalistic as fuck yeah, I think no, I think I think they are, but I think ninety eight percent of those people, their tribalism ends once they get off their computer or their phone. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes, okay, yes, I agree. I agree fully, hundred percent. Like in, in Afghanistan, if there's a tribal beef, that shit'll go back for years and people will get killed for decades. You know, like yeah. that's just one of those things. And here that happens, that's where we get our crazy extremists that go and blow shit up or, you know, try to firebomb something or whatever. 
you know, that happens, but it's way less. I mean, how often are people getting ran over in the United States? How many car bombs are going off in the United States? How many, you know, we talk about, you could talk about shootings and stuff, but when you look at per capita and how many guns are out there and stuff like that, our shootings aren't actually that high compared to a lot of places. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a tribal mentality, but I think if you walk down the street, you're not looking at other people going, oh, this dude's probably from fucking Chesterfield or this guy's from the whatever family. You know, you're just – you're just li- maybe I'm jaded or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just – I have my own blinders on. I'm just walking around not giving a fuck. No, no. I think <laughs> – Maybe not everybody's I think, like that. That's how I – No, 100 percent. I think you're taking it as uh, a significantly more literal version of tribalism as opposed to have you seen what happens to a person who claims they support Trump in a place where they don't? Yeah. That yeah, is I mean, tribalism at it. And that's not even behind the sure. computer. You I get told jumped butt, just for saying that out loud. I just told my uh, my brother-in-law, him and my sister are going to a, I think they said a Kenny Chesney concert or something like that this summer. And I was like, bro, I'll buy all your drinks for the night if you wear a I Love Biden t-shirt and wear a GoPro. And he was like, fuck no. Because, you know, it's the same thing. If I wore, if he was to wear something like that, it'd be just like, maybe not just as bad or who knows. You know, anytime you inject politics into something where people are just trying to have a good time you're probably going to hear from the other side because they're, they were just trying to have a good time. And now you came out and, you know, had to cross that line, had to throw on the MAGA hat or had to throw on the, you know, let's go Biden. But it's weird that we've taken politics to such a degree that we can't just, I can't just disagree with your ideas. And now I have Mm -hmm. to hate you as a person. And that's part of the culture. Like what the fuck happened? It's, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I think it's, the internet has been a good and bad thing. It's a good thing because mm-hmm. we have so much information accessible. I mean, I can literally, I can pull up anything I ever want to know in the palm of my hand. I have all the answers, literally the the answers for almost anything, you know, that you could think of. And no one has ever had that capability before. I can communicate with someone on the other side of the world. I've never even met them. I can just shoot them a message, be like, what's up? And they may respond. You know, like that's the power of the internet. But then we have people that take that and and they use it to be assholes. You know what I'm saying? They're like, well, fuck, I'm going to go online and troll people. or I'm going to go do this because I know it pisses people off. You know, I just want to see the world burn. You know, or they use it for nefarious things. They they start stalking someone and they find out where they live and, they, you know, they do all that shit. And, you yeah. know, it's just uh. What we're going to hear people talked about more school shootings, more accidents, more crazy murders, more all this stuff. Like it's all something that just started. It's like, we're just seeing it more. That's all. We're just seeing it more because now I can look at my phone and every 30 seconds I can get a notification from Twitter or from Facebook or from freaking a news agency that says breaking blah, blah, blah just happened breaking yeah no the statistic fact of the matter is when you think of for example mass shootings it's at the lowest it's ever been in all of time the worst the worst mass shooting that's ever happened was in like 1910 yeah it's consistently lowered uh same thing with we we were consistently talking about you know defund the police because they're always killing black people and whatever and it happens and it's terrible it's disproportionate yes i agree with that fact that is a true statistic it is also significantly less than it has been at every point previous to this very moment it's always gone down yeah to pretend like uh, that's that's one thing i think that myself and a lot of other people that find themselves or consider themselves to be conservative uh agree with is that 
this gross misrepresentation of how society is now trying to say that we're like in the Jim Crow era or we have literal Nazis running around or, you know, it's like, oh, they're trying to enslave people. again. It's like, come on, man, stop with the bullshit. Stop with the hyperbole. And like, you know, you're you're not doing yourself any favors when you say requiring an ID card is the same as having uh, Jim Crow legislation. That's bullshit, man. And that's disrespectful to the people that actually had to live through that kind of oppression and, you know, made it out of it. 100%. You know what I'm you know I also what I'm saying? think it's the like, casual use of the word racist is uh, astoundingly ignorant. All the ists. Yeah. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. But I mainly, mainly because we throw it at people for no reason, right? Yeah. I, I believe in the big difference. One, I've said this before on the show, and I don't know how you feel about this following sentence, but I have zero problem with racism. Now, I okay. believe you are perfectly within your rights to be a racist and good on you. Don't act racist. I don't know if good on you is what I would what No, no, no. Say, well, here's but... the thing. You can be as racist as you want as long as you don't behave racist. There is a big difference there. I can't question your belief in God. Now, you can't bomb a town because they don't believe in God. Those are two vastly different things. Yeah, now, you yeah. can believe you're better than whoever the fuck you want. Most people do. They just don't outwardly say it. Go up to a, a person from Nigeria and ask them, what's the greatest country in the world? Oh, Nigeria is the greatest country in the world. So you believe that's the greatest, like your culture is supreme. Hell yeah, this is the best place ever. Everybody believes that. There's no exception to that rule. Everybody thinks until you put them in a public situation. They're like, no, we're all equal. And we no, nobody fucking believes that. Everybody believes they come from the best place ever. And you're totally within your rights to believe that. Don't treat somebody else that way, though. That's the total difference. Be racist. Totally fine. Happy with it. Don't so you're so you're anti-extremist. Then. I'm anti-behavior. Well, the extremists are the ones that are going to act out on those like negative thoughts. Or fair enough. You know, yes. Yeah. Fair enough. I myself uh, was raised with a person whose family claims to be uh, neo-Nazis, and they. I'm a person of color. I'm particularly dark. I got dreads. I was invited <laughs> into their house. They would cook food for me. I would have conversations with them. I would sit and at the dinner were... table. And they claim to be neo-Nazis? Neo-Nazis and openly racist. They believe that there is a genetic supremacy in the Caucasian gene specifically of British mm -hmm. origin. And they have no problem with that and vocalizing it. They also believe you never disrespect somebody else because people are still people. And yeah, you treat everybody uh, with respect regardless of your personal belief of any situation. Because at the end of the day, I got to have faith that I'm right about what I'm saying because I can't prove it otherwise. Yeah, but you mean having that kind of prejudice though is being disrespectful. Even if you never act on it, it's still I but don't know. Why? I mean, it's like saying, "Okay, you come and you tell me, well, God is real." Well, I believe that science is accurate and as a result, there can't be a god because I can show you the processes numerically that led to everything that's happening. Well, no, what you're saying is actively stupid because there's order in the world. What's the difference of trying to undermine somebody's faith in one thing versus somebody's faith in another? Um, well, I think if you believe in in God, uh, man, I don't know. You're, I mean, this is obviously a very hypothetical here. It seems like a lot of most religious people are just out to do good. You know, they just want to feel like there's something better on the other side and that they're working to be good. I don't know. Tell a Catholic to, priest that same thing. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I agree. I I don't disagree. Again, I I was raised Baptist, so I don't I don't really know too much about Catholicism, but uh, <laughs> you know uh, what the rest of us do. <laughs> yeah, um, but I don't know, man. You're right. I think you're right, though. Extremists on either side can be. That's the problem, and that's what yes. I've I've tried to tell a lot of people that recently. It's like, man. We just got to stop listening to the fringe left and the fringe right. We got to stop allowing them to drive the conversation. You know what I'm saying? If someone says something so fucking dumb and off the wall, just be like, whatever, dude. You know, like if if you if that's what you think, then cool. But I'm not going to I'm not going to spend my time listening to you, you know, try to validate your your craziness. I got better shit to do. And if we stop letting these people drive the conversation, you know, that's why this bullshit gets put on TV because people are clicking on the articles or they're clicking on the ad or, they, you know, they're clicking on that video because it's that's these crazy so, people saying crazy shit. Look, no, I think there's a whole different problem going on with that. Yeah. And I, I think now this is the uh, put on that tinfoil hat type of moment because we've designed technology that is meant to learn what triggers our interaction and then tries mm-hmm. to guide us further into that area. But it has learned what what is it? We're six, eight billion people and six billion of us are connected to the internet. So it's learning what six billion people's total input is, what drives six billion people's attention, what makes us click, what makes us go outside, aim a camera, then bring it back in so that you click more. I think the singularity happened and we're just being manipulated by our technology at this point because yeah, it's actively showing us, for example, outrage, right? So let's say you go, you, you saw somebody get beat up. He's a black guy. You saw a black guy get beat up. Now, you're going to aim your cat. You could, in theory, go stop it. But we're going to say you're not you. You're just one of the bystanders with bystander syndrome. You're going to sit, stand around, take your phone out, aim it. Facebook Live, baby. Exactly. Now, you're not doing this because you're trying to expose something. Nobody gives a shit about exposing. You're going to post it. People are going to click. They're going to see, oh, my God, an opportunity. Yes. The opportunity is present. But why do you need that opportunity? Well, exposure. And what's going to give you that exposure? Well, the platform you're putting it on. And what designed that? Oh, the algorithm understood that if you do this kind of thing. And how do you know? Well, it's shown you that in the past. It's shown you that that works and that gets a lot of clicks. Mm-hmm. And now you're in the situation. You're like, oh, shit, this is my moment to shine, even if it's that guy's moment to get fucked up. So the algorithm itself did that. Nobody sat in the background and decided, well, I'm going to show you specifically something horrible. You're going to react. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, oh, no human is doing that. We programmed it to learn. It learned that. It fed it to you. You learned that that works. You went out. You saw the thing. You recorded the thing. You brought it back into the system just for the same reason that you saw it in the first place. You saw it. You wanted the attention that you saw it got the other guy. So now you were controlled by the thing. It's not thinking that, oh, I'm manipulating you. But the way a computer would, it's been programmed to learn your behavior and try to hook you as much as possible. And it did. Mm -hmm. So the singularity isn't something thinking against you. It's something manipulating how you think. Well, I don't think, I mean, I guess if it's it's about how you, in this case, it's about how you define singularity. Because the singularity, technically speaking, is supposed to be when a computer can have as fast of a thought. I think it knows as much or it's faster than a human thinking, which it's something like that. Um, I do think the algorithms and stuff that social media companies are using does drive... um, it does drive actions. You know what I'm saying? I think you you can look at your search. You could click the search button on Instagram and you're going to see very similar stuff to what you normally search for uh, because it knows that's what you like. 
there's good and bad to that. You know, um, there was that show. What was that? It was about all the uh, apps and stuff. It was on Netflix. It was called uh, Black Mirror. No, 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 no. It was like a almost like a, it wasn't a documentary, but it was like a show that talked about how, you know, how they get you hooked in. You know, how like, oh, the notifications, I'm going to get you coming back to open your phone and one more, take one more look. I, I, I sort oh. of remember what you're talking about, but I, I can't. can't I can't remember the name of it. And it was pretty good. Unfortunately, I'm in advertising. So I have an advertising degree from SDSU. I do Google ads for people. I run YouTube ads and all that stuff. So I understand what they're doing with – I think we look at it in a nefarious way. Most of the time, it's like, hey, man, if you're going to get an ad, do you want to get an ad for something you will never even be interested in? Or would you rather get an ad for something that you might purchase? And that's where a lot of that kind of comes into play. Um, so it's, there's a fine line between convenience and like kind of changing the thought process that people have. The media definitely has a way to bend how reality is. I mean, look at Nick Sandman and how he got, you know, all that shit. And uh, in Washington, D.C., where everyone said he was like got into some Native American dude's face and was berating him and stuff. And, you know, when it all came out, it's like not really what happened. But social media and all the outlets got everyone all riled up. And that became yep. the fucking, you know, so for that kid, the rest of that kid's life, no people that have never met him, if they ran into him, would be like, that kid's a racist, you know, just because they were told that by you know it's it's that's all that's a real that's a real messed up case because in every angle every part of that was fucked right yeah everything. like you shouldn't have been out there also everything that happened about you being out there should not have happened so everybody's wrong nobody is technically right here and look they were trying to kill you you were trying to defend yourself but also you were out there with a fucking gun bro no, 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 no. I think you're talking. You're talking about something. That's um, Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse. Yes. Okay. Who are you talking about? I just confused the hell out of it. I'm talking about the kid that wore the MAGA hat and the Indian dude came up to him. Was oh shit. Yeah. Yes. Oh, again, that's a whole Kyle other. Kyle Rittenhouse. A lot of people didn't even realize. Uh, he, they, a lot of people thought he shot a, a couple black dudes. They thought that was like a racist thing. And then yeah. when the, like the case came out, it's like, wait, wait, oh, he shot a white dude and the dude's a pedophile. Yeah. And yeah. the guy was hitting him. Yeah. Yeah. With, he was beating. Yes. Oh fuck. Yeah. That's what I thought you were, but no, I know what you're talking about. Now that other situation is a little messed up too, because that was blown out of proportion. That wasn't even started the way, you know, the video starts at a certain point and that's just reality to people. The the whole situation was com it was completely different than what everyone realized, and no yeah. one knew until like weeks or months later when it no longer mattered. Just like with the whole, it, dude, the media is fucked up for the people yeah. that are out there. Hell the yeah, people hell that yeah. are out there. If you're if you're watching or listening to legacy media outlets, there's nothing wrong with that. Find a good like I if you're gonna watch Fox News, watch like Brett Bear. Tucker Carlson and those other dudes aren't news people. Those are talking heads that try to get people riled up. People like someone like Brett Baer is like an actual journalist. You know, look at find actual journalists from some of these organizations and find some of these independent journalists and, you know, peek at their news and what they're what they're putting out there. Because legacy media is all agenda driven. It's, you know, yes. it's sponsored by corporations. My argument about that is don't consume any one source. Make sure exactly. you always go to the literal opposite of what you're consuming and consume both. And whatever yep. they both say is true is the only fact and assume you don't know anything beyond that point. Yeah, I always I'm always like it's somewhere in the middle there. I again question everything. If someone says something to me, cool. OK, cool. I'm going to double check that that's true because 
I mean, how many times have we been lied to on everything? On everything, you know? yes. On, on everything. everything. It's just it's just the way it is. And you can't trust any news organizations today fully. Like all of them need to be vetted. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. And this comes back to what we were talking about before, that the current state of the world exploits things and we see things more. It's oh, exposed yeah, sure. to us, right? It's not that we can't trust media outlets now is that we didn't have the means to prove that it was always opinion news before. Yeah. And I, well, I, I think the ethics in journalism have changed in the last 10 years. You know, I think even before there was an agenda, there was like times where, you know, like I think it was FDR was in a wheelchair where like, hey, all the news organizations agreed we won't show them in a wheelchair because it makes us look weak. You know, nowadays that would something like that would never happen. And it would be like, why is the media covering for the president? Like, why can't we see him like yeah, that? Exactly. You know, there was cases of that, but I can see like. That kind of makes sense, though, when we're at war and you want to show like a position of strength. Is that. Is that that's propaganda? Um, propaganda? That is, is it propaganda? propaganda. It is. Is it propaganda if you is it propaganda that you don't talk about it or like if you try to pretend like you can walk or whatever? I think in both cases. I think the idea is you're trying to manipulate not only the people who are watching within, but you're trying to manipulate the people who are watching without. And by definition, yeah. that's propaganda. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I'll give you that point for sure. I think you're 100 percent right. I But I will also say that. Like I mentioned, I think the ethics of it, the reasoning behind like some a decision like that yes. is way different than the reasoning behind we're seeing a lot of bullshit on the media now. But you see, now you're having the same argument I put before. It's the idea that uh, not all racists are bad people. Not all propaganda is necessarily bad. Mm, yeah. There uh, is propaganda for good. There is the a reason. Yeah. Like, okay, we can say, you know, it's extremely dire. And yeah, okay, we're going to get bombed in a couple of days and we'll figure it out. Or we could say the position we're currently in is so overpowered that there's nothing anybody in this country should worry about. We're in total control of the situation and we can handle it. Now, in one case, you created a panic and everybody lost their shit. In the other, yes, it's propaganda. You're manipulating your personal view, but also mm -hmm. you're helping people calm the fuck down and giving yourself time to breathe and think to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah. not all propaganda is bad propaganda. The fact the, that we could never trust 100% what they're saying doesn't mean that what they were saying was necessarily ill-intended. It's just not necessarily the truth all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. And I think what you see now is that it's it's becoming hard for n news organizations, uh, government entities, whatever, to put out propaganda because there's such an easy ability to, to refute it. You know what yep. I'm saying? If I go, hey, guys, this town hasn't been bombed. Like, what are you talking about? We're all look at there's all these people. And then all of a sudden, citizens from, citizens from everywhere start shooting video of like a bombed out building. And they're like, hey, look, no, no, we are really being bombed. Like, don't listen to that guy. It's for real. Here's, you know, like that citizen journalist kind of has uh, exposed many people that. I don't know why. I, don't, I just don't understand why people think they can get away with lies now. You know, with, Here's, the, with the amount of cell phones and shit, this the ability to record everything. This blows my mind about this whole Russia-Ukraine situation, right? It mm -hmm. blows my freaking mind because we went from, well, we don't believe anything the media says ever to, yeah, now we just unanimously agree with everything CNN and Fox are saying about about the Ukraine-Russia conflict. You just 100% of it, yes, uh, yes, totally, uh-huh. But wait, wait, why do you stop questioning things? 
And it got really weird, right? Because one thing that I keep pointing out to people is like how convenient that we just happened to pull everybody out of Afghanistan with just enough time to station a bunch of those same people around Ukraine, almost like we knew. Nah, yeah, I mean, again, coming having come from the government, um, a lot of conspiracy theorists give way too much credit to the uh, people that are running the show's ability to do stuff. There's way too many... There's way too many morons in charge to have like a giant secret or something crazy like that to occur and and not uh and not get exposed. It's um most of most of the time when something weird happens to the military, it's it's a coincidence or it's like You a, think it's a coincidence? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, 100%. Shit, really? Yeah, dude. There's there so hold on, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say that we we needed like a place to put military, so we pulled them out of Afghanistan and put them no, no, in no, no, no. Ukraine. Or, I'm or saying that we know factually that people like Biden uh, constantly interact with people like Putin on certain things, often behind closed doors, even if we are yeah. aware of their meetings, that we don't necessarily know what they talk about because it's not this close to the public. And we know that in rooms, private rooms where world leaders get together, they do make plans and they do tell each other, well, you know, I don't like you and we can't fight in this room because this is neutral territory, but I'm going to go attack you or do whatever. And so things like this are known ahead of time. Same thing with like people who track Pelosi's financial movements consistently. You could find that preceding everything that happened, both the withdrawal and the current crisis, there were enough funds moved by the top 1% to profit off of this before any of this happened, before the withdrawal happened and before the current crisis happened. There is enough movement financially that you can track that there was a movement from one place to another financially that people knew that there's a profit to be made, but we don't even know of a conflict yet. How do you move your shit so far ahead of time to profit off of it? I would agree. I would agree that there are um, closed door discussions that occur that drive policy and drive, you know, international events and stuff like that. Uh, I would also say you'd be, I'd be, you'd be hard pressed to, to convince me that maybe, maybe they knew the whole, I mean, fuck dude, the Intel intelligence people have been telling us for weeks that the Russia was, that Russia was going to invade Ukraine, that it looked like they were going to. And a, a lot of people were mocking them. We're like, no, yeah, okay, sure. Sure. The neocons want another war. Sure. You know, like, yeah, okay, sure. Intel guys that fucked us and on the way out of Afghanistan. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just don't, I don't buy that, uh, why? Why would they start a war? And what would if if it, if this was driven by like the global elite? What's a war in Ukraine going to benefit anybody? You know, how is anybody being? Oh, that's an easy discussion. Ukraine is sitting on top of some of the most exaggerated oil possible and both sides are desperately wanting that to continue to fuel the amount of oil that goes into Europe and Russia particularly wants that in their benefit mm -hmm. to yeah, profit. but you don't need. You don't need like closed door backroom discussions to know that. I mean, that's just a common like, oh, shit, this is a this is an important area. I mean, oh, no, no, no. The the idea of what is important isn't what's a secret. It's the moves that people are saying, well, I'm going to do the thing. And oh, no, well, you shouldn't do the thing because the thing is established this way. Well, no, I think you should stop talking about that because I've already got this thing established. Well, I disagree with your establishment and we over here disagree with your assumption. So we're going to go ahead and stop you from doing the thing. Those conversations are the ones. Everybody knows that's an important area. Mm -hmm. The movements that led 
ahead ahead of the conflict, the amount of funds pulled out before we even heard anything from Putin's mouth, that kind of crap, that's where it gets sketchy. When you see somebody pull enough money out of the funds of Ukraine oil and you're like, well, why? What did you know so far ahead a month and a half before even Russia knew they were going to do something allegedly? They didn't ha- have it discussed. They didn't send it to their military. We didn't know it in our military. So well, how did the rich again, people you, know? We don't. Uh, so I will say that maybe they did know. You know, in our military, they they probably did know. Our in, our intelligence guys, as much as for as much shit as they receive, um, they're quite good. They're quite good at pulling intel. They're quite good at at predicting things that are going to happen. Um, I would say that they probably knew. There's probably dude. Who knows, man? Top top tier like secret clearance guys probably had some kind of communications from Russia that they had intercepted and was like, Hey, it looks like they're these exercises, these mil cause this was all billed as military exercises in yeah. Belarus joint exercises. And then that now it was a peacekeeping operation that they were going to come in and, you know, t- that the people of Ukraine needed to be, uh, you know uh what is it uh Helped. whatever save yeah because they were russians. allegedly being attacked by their own government or some shit yeah i would say that the intel people saw that coming for a long time so i mean imagine when did we start hearing that hey russia may may attack uh ukraine probably what two weeks ago that yeah. means our intel guys were probably tracking something at least weeks ahead of time weeks ahead of time if not longer so then the argument here is that like the intel some of i mean i guess like you said before there's corruption everywhere so at least some intel guy told somebody for a little bit of pocket money and then that guy went ahead and moved enough money maybe man but i know some guys uh some intel guys and you know i asked one guy he he was like i'm gonna retire and you know he's like i don't care anymore like i'm gonna retire and um I'm just going to get out of it and not know anything, you know, because when you're in Intel, you're reading all this, you're reading cables and reading like information constantly. I'm like, is it, you going to miss not being able to peek behind the curtain, kind of like know what's going on? And he was like, dude, honestly, it just pisses me off because a lot of times he's like, we have actionable intelligence on someone that's bad or something like that. But we just sit on our hands or we just take too long to go through the bureaucratic process to do something about it. It's not necessarily nefarious like, hey, we're not going to smoke Johnny over here because he's a oil, you know, oligarch son. You know, it's nothing like that. It's 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 uh, priorities are shifted. It's just a different. I try to remind myself now that I'm out of the military that I know probably 60 percent of what's actually happening. Like when you see something that comes from the government and comes from the military, we're probably seeing 60% of it. Um, and that's not necessarily because it's all classified, but may- maybe maybe 20% is classified and the other 20% is stuff that you're just not – you're not in that industry. So you're just not aware of it. Like if you're in the defense and aerospace industry, you know about things that are happening before the average public just because you're part of that industry. Um what of so, billionaires who make financial moves ahead of time and have nothing, no connection to the military? You'd have to get, I mean, I'd have to look at specific examples. I mean, we could, it, it could always be bad. I mean, weird moves should be questioned for sure. But I don't think, I think we give too much uh, credit to the... Like, you think that could also just be coincidence? You're like, well, whatever, let me just take this out. Maybe. I mean, I guess, right? It could totally but be. Somebody was just like, well, I'll take all my money out of here and put it over there. And this shit just happens to hit the fan and that guy just got lucky. Well, you also got to look at, was that the only transaction that guy made that day? Was it like one or that month or whatever? Or or is it like, if I'm a billionaire, 
I know how much, so running my own business and doing my own thing, I'm bouncing between accounts, moving money around. I got to pay this off. I got to move money here to purchase this or whatever. I can't imagine what kind of transactions and the scope and size of those transactions are for like a billionaire running a company. You know, if you're having millions of dollar contracts, there's money moving daily, millions and millions of dollars moving daily. Now, if you look at one specific transaction out of these millions of, of transactions and go, look at this, this is nefarious. And yep. if you look at it by itself, yeah, then it yeah, does yeah. look bad. I but see you what you're talking about. You got to look at the big picture. Was that the only thing that they did? If that's the only thing that they did, then, well, maybe we have something we, we should probably look at. But if it's like, you know, it's just... Uh, what if 15 again, billionaires have that same one transaction and everything else is different? That maybe you know that could be not good. <laughs> could be, but like suspicious. that could also just be coincidence too, right? Could be. That's a, I, I, I like your point. Stuff. I like your point a lot because it does bring in this sort of we look for what we find, and we look for things that are weird to question, especially when it's someone that has power over us or we see. Yes. you know, we look at billionaires. We're like those billionaires. You know, we're not saying billionaires. Like, man, I love that guy. We're saying billionaires like fuck that dude, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, him and his billion dollars. We're looking at stuff in, in that it. kind of light, you know, where we're questioning their their whatever whatever it is they're doing. A lot as of if, times it's look as if we even have a billion dollars to understand. Yeah, it's a different I mean, I can't imagine what what that person's account I mean, if you have a billion dollars, you can't even keep up with your own transactions. You I bet they have a team, a team of accountants to just that just do just that. So to pretend like I can swoop in and be like, hey, accountant, I want you to move this to here and do this. And that's, you know, it could happen. It could. And it has happened. Let's not let's not play around. I mean, yeah, there's but, billionaires that are fucked up. You know, let's look at uh, what's his name with the island, Pedo Island. That oh, guy. yeah. You know, it's like there's fucked up people out there. But uh, people jump to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I see where you're coming from. I like that. Because that's a solid point. We're looking for the problem. And then we see anything. It's We're looking for confirmation bias. That's essentially what it is. Oh, for sure. We came in with the idea. And it doesn't matter what doesn't fall in with the idea. We'll ignore that. And anything that we can say does fall in with our pre-existing notions, that's the proof right there. Yeah, it's just it's just a, another... Another... Um you know, another thing that people are taking out of context. It's like anytime you're looking at something and if it makes you mad before you get mad, like figure out the context. You know, when I see a clip on TV and they're like, look at this clip, can you believe this action happened? Be it a cop shooting someone, someone beating someone, someone, whatever. What happened 30 seconds before that clip started? What happened 30 seconds after that clip ended? You know, what is the full context of the situation? Same thing happens with these transactions. Yeah, okay, if I'm a billionaire, I've got tons of banking transactions every day. What's the context behind it? Is it legit? Because it might be legit. It might be for good stuff. Or is it not? And if it's not, then they should be investigated and charged and, you know. No, 100%. There is a list of 21 billionaires who took out money that was uh, put into uh, situations. I don't remember specifically. There's a list of it listing Mm -hmm. everything that they were involved with that had to do a lot with details surrounding Afghanistan and the companies that were uh, providing weaponry or something like that. Mm -hmm. And all that money was immediately removed. And uh, within the same list of transactions is a shit ton of money being also removed from Ukraine and being put into the funding of the companies that are partaking in the NATO uh, weaponry supply and things of that nature. Now, 
could 100% be a coincidence, specifically because the military complex is so exaggerated. And if huge, it's huge, it's exaggerated, it makes absolute sense to put your money into these companies, which is why I'm saying like this list could be ignoring a plethora of other exchanges that make absolute also sense for them to do simultaneously with these other things. And these could just be coincidences. It, it well, probably and, is. And we also forget, too, that if I'm, a, if I'm a billionaire, what resources are at my disposal to find out stuff? Open oh, yeah. market, open, open, you know, like open secrets that anybody can know. But do you have the resources to dig up that information? If I'm a billionaire with with stuff going on in Eastern Europe, then I've probably got people in Eastern Europe keeping me kind of up to date with what's going on in that area. And people on the ground in the Ukraine probably knew for a while, like, hey, man, this is I'm getting calls from my homies over in, in Russia because, you know, a lot of them are Russians. Also. Yeah, I'm getting calls from people over there that are saying this stuff. This is not, you know, the atmospherics or the uh, whatever you want to call it on the ground or the environment on the ground is going to be much different than me over here reading about what's going on in Ukraine. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. So, so it may not be nefarious. It may just, you may see it as being unfair, but the, it would be like, Hey, you know, if you got the resources, why wouldn't you use them? No, I, I love the approach. I look, I will praise you on that. You have this, uh, not often do I find somebody with the critical lucidity that you have you are glass man you are clear <laughs> you you happen to have this ability to really you're quite objective and i'm not an easy person to be objective <laughs> against i come from every angle of picking at that and you manage to hold your composure and i respect that highly you are a very good critical thinker i you know again i just try to look at stuff from all sides there's always an explanation nothing is done in a vacuum you know, there's second, third, and fourth order effects to decisions that you may not even realize. Like if I make the decision to not fill up my gas, I'll wait till tomorrow morning. Well, tomorrow morning there's a rainstorm and, you know, you know, there's there's second, third order effects that you have to look at those. You can't just assume that decisions are always nefarious and, and made in a vacuum. Like what, what was going on around it to, yes. to make that? There's too much isolating of specific instances. Taking shit out of context, man. You know, people got to open their mind. And you know what? Don't be dumb. Use your fucking cell phone. We all carry around the answers. It's it's crazy how often I'll see people sit here and debate a topic and or like a fact. And it's like, just look it up. You're literally carrying the answer in your fucking in your, you know, I'll push right I'll push back against that with a simple uh, uh, idea, which is uh, the problem primarily is that people do look up the answer now you're saying that as a person who himself is sitting here having a critical thinking conversation in which you're using that brain muscle rather than just going and looking up the answer and confirming anything so mm -hmm. you're exercising the muscle mm -hmm. you're telling everybody else to go look up the answer the problem is people do and they'll believe whatever first answer they land at as opposed to using yeah. the same critical muscle you're using you actually use your mind as opposed to just take whatever information yeah. landed in front of you I think, yeah, you're right. I think that's one of the things that should be taught better is to understand finding finding what a real resource is, what a real source of information is, you know, how to identify fake news, how to identify the scams that are out there. You know, I'm um I'm just naturally curious person. When I was a kid, 
my parents bought us an encyclopedia and I literally used to just sit at home and read the encyclopedia and stuff. And when I went from that to having the internet and I'm like, holy shit, like we can just sit here and look stuff up. Like I can just ask questions or I can go on here and, you know, talk to other people and find out, Hey, what's going on in Wisconsin? Let me find somebody online from Wisconsin and actually ask them, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm a curious person. And I, and I'm like, if I have a question, I want to know the answer and it's everything, not just like, it's just stupid shit. How do I make this recipe? How do I fix this on my car? How do I, you know, repair my own phone? You know, it's like <laughs> a lot who, of that. Wrote this book. A know? lot of that was hands on. You are very, very in love with the things you can touch. Oh, I'm a tinkerer, man, and I'm gonna. I'm a technology guy. I like to keep up to date with technologies because you know it's like we look at our parents, we look at our grandparents, and how they struggle with technology, you know, like trying to help my mom set up her phone and shit, you know, like we don't like, want to be there. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. So I'm actively on my own. Like, you know, maybe I should look into coding and just kind of understand, maybe not be a coder or anything yeah. like that, but take a look at it, kind of understand how it works. NFTs so like I'm so behind and coding are the two things that everybody needs to start looking at because yeah. we are getting lost quickly in those. Yeah. And you know, like there's organizations, you know, YouTube is such a valuable resource as much as we hate the as long as much as we hate the, uh, you know, how they censor some people and stuff like that. There's one thing I like going on to is MIT has the MIT open courseware and it's all it's a lot of their classes. They're different college classes and you can just sit there and watch uh, the lectures. You know, and if you want to more know more about blockchain, you can listen to them, discuss it and go through each lecture and actually sit through an MIT class and they even actually have, I think the website has all the materials. So you can like basically participate in the class without ever going to the school, you know, and it's just like the resources that are out there for us to understand the environment around us is like, I don't know. I, I just, it bums me out that more people just sit here in ignorance rather than trying to figure out the answer. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We uh, accept stupidity as a way of being, but we don't think it's stupidity. We think that our ignorance is because we're consistently getting confirmation bias because we're, we're the, okay, here's the real problem. You and I are really weird, dude. I'll take that. Yeah, we, you were, we're really weird, and I'll elaborate on why that's the case. I'll we're, accept that. We're, we're getting to the end here, and like, the, there's a lot of heady shit in this conversation, but we're, we're fucking strange, bro, because most people don't do what we do. It's, we're, we're the anomaly, and like, yes, there was a period for that, and eventually we're going to enter a period for that too, in which we just critical think, but we've exited that, and right now we're mm-hmm. trying to understand not us particularly, we are, again, because we're the weird ones, but people, society, the planet, not just the United States, Earth, is trying to understand emotions and identity in its deepest, most extreme depth. And we're actively just, we're sort of the homeless guy rejecting society right now. We're like, well, fuck that shit. We're going to do, we're going to critical think about the thing while everybody else is sitting there wondering, well, what's my sexual identity and what's my, uh, (laughs) how do I identify uh, gender wise and what politics do I side with and what granular nature of politics is, is this part right? Is that part right? Is, is choosing a whole team? Is that making sense? How do I feel about it? Are words dangerous or should everybody have free speech? If there are dumb enough people who are getting convinced by words, should we protect those people from the word? People are worried about these things that we are actively just rejecting. We're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. fuck it. Let it be what it is. But we're weird for that. Live. 
Well, yeah, and I, you know, honestly, I was kind of let down when I got out of the Marines and um, I signed up for college. I was like, all right, this is, you know, we'll get in here and there will be good debates about stuff and whatever and, you know, what you would think college is, right? But it just wasn't that for me. I think I had a couple professors that were really good. Uh, I had a critical thinking professor. We would we would sit down and he would open the floor up and we would have, he would basically force a discussion, but it was good though. And everybody, it seemed like people wanted to participate and um, go over. I had that same teacher. I had that same teacher, you know, and different topics and stuff like that. But then you'd go to other classes where you could, I could tell as a a moderate conservative going to San Diego state university, which is a liberal school. I'm a liberal arts major in California. You know, every class was about, the oppression of the white man and like how race was involved or sexism was involved in this. Literally every class somehow had to have that, that kind of thread into it. You know, it had to be along those lines for some reason. And I had classes where I was like, I'm not going to bring, I'm not going to push back on any of this because if I do, I'm pretty sure the professor is going to not give me a good grade. I had my journalism cause I was a journalism and advertising major. I had one of my journalism professors um, we were we were reviewing photos of the protests and stuff last year, and she's like, "Look at look at these stormtroopers fighting against these protesters." And I'm like, "Dude, you're that's how you're framing these police officers as stormtroopers, like, you know." And then she was she was talking about how in today's journalism, the students need to be ready to not only write an article about what's going on and the situation at hand, but also put in their how it could be fixed. They want more people that can apply how things can be fixed or how it could be better. And I was like, I was like, isn't that what we call an editorial, you know, or an opinion piece? And she's like, no, 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 it's different. And I'm like, how? Anytime you add opinion to it, like I think we can fix it this way. That's automatically, but that's what they're teaching. And if I hadn't pushed back, there was probably students in there that were like, huh? No, you know, like, okay, that's how we're we're supposed to be, you know, applying our, our spin to this. And that's just not the case, you know? I think a lot of times when people have really solid, deep conversations about subjects, you know, that are really nuanced, like illegal immigration or something like that, you find out that you have more in common, you know, with the people that are speaking against you, you know, or think they are speaking against 100%. you. 100%. That's why debate class is so important and nobody goes to it. No, no. I, um, I when I first got to, I first started out at a community college when I first got out of the Marines and um, I took a, I signed up for the school paper. And they accepted me. They're like, yeah, okay, cool. You're on the school paper. And we're just sitting there bullshitting. And uh, someone said something about Trump and the border. And I'm like, you know, do we really want to have this discussion? Like, I don't want to – I don't want to feel like I'm debating everybody. And that's what it turned out. Like, six people sitting in front of me and me kind of against these five students and a teacher, uh, a professor. And it was – they're like, well, you're you're for, you know, whatever these border regulations. And I'm like, look, here's the deal. If we don't secure the border, if we don't make the thing with okay, the thing with illegal immigration is this: if it, if we keep it illegal like that, and you're allowing illegal immigration to continue, and you're not you're not prosecuting employers for hiring illegal immigrants, you're providing a a uh, artificial reduction of wages. Okay, people are out here working for five dollars an hour because we're allowing that to happen. That's bringing everybody else's wages down. I think, you know, we should we need to have immigrants come in and work and do things that we want them to do. That should be there. But they should also be getting paid what they should should be getting paid. They should be getting paid what they're what they're owed. You know what I'm saying? Well, I can't advocate for illegal immigration 
to maintain the price of my lettuce. Like, what am I doing? I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. For slave labor, for so that I can get cheap lettuce at the store. That's a that's a, that's a weird problem, right? Because the securing of the border is sort of an impossible idea. At the same eh. time, that because like assuming that you can. You're you're completely underestimating the will of a person who wants to get in here. I'm not like, saying it won't. I'm not saying it'll stop like securing the border. Or, like let's say we let's say the whole wall thing, right? Yeah. You, there's there's I'm in San Diego, man. There's reports all the time. The the walls people are tearing through the wall. People are doing these things. The whole point of that though is that it slowed them down, and border patrol agents were able to come in the area and fair. stop whatever it was from occurring. You know, it's that's what it is. Is that's a barrier just to slow people down. But it's hard for me to sit here and listen to someone that will advocate for illegal immigration and say that's okay it's perfectly fine the illegal part is what trips me out it's like we take them to prison and then you say that's wrong but like it was illegal like they the first thing they did in our country was commit a crime that was step one the literal they began at a crime i don't know what does not compute with people it's like oh no it's not fair no 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 listen to me it was the first thing the f- they did nothing they stepped foot committing a crime that's by default when we say criminal we don't mean they're coming over here and robbing people we mean they literally just became a criminal upon stepping on our land and either we support stopping crime or we allow fucking crime and let it sink into anarchy but we can't decide some crimes yes and some crimes no yeah no, I agree. I agree. It's um, I but but like I uh, was saying before, I'm pro immigration. I'm pro. I think I think what we need to do is put more funding towards the immigration courts because I was reading in one of my I don't know somewhere it was like court uh, or judges in immigration courts have ten times more case their caseload is ten times bigger than every other judge that's out there and they're so backed up with people that are trying to come through and claim asylum and do all this stuff that it's it's just made it like a big chokehold on the whole system. So I think that stuff kind of needs to be fixed. And then, but like I was saying, I'm not against the immigration. I want people to come here, but when you come here to work, I want you to also get paid what you deserve to get paid. And to say that you can do that when, when a farmer can go, Hey, I got this group of people that can work for, you know, minimum wage. I got to pay them minimum wage and benefits or this group of people that I could pay cash money at a third of the rate to who are they going to go with a lot of times? You know what I'm saying? It's, and, and, and unless, until you stop that, you're doing those same people a disservice. You're, that person should be making more than $5 an hour and get some benefits, but they're willing to, to forego that to just get no, paid at not, all. And it's not just that. It's the fact that there are many, many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people trying to get in legally and you're, Jumping the line, you're fucking it up for them because you're fucking greedy. Not only did you step in the country and by default committed a crime, because again, I am totally for immigration as well. This country was built on immigration. Anybody who says, go back to your country, suck a dick. You did not. Your ancestors weren't from fucking here either. Nobody's was. So we deserve to know who's coming. Exactly. And the people who are doing it legally are being stopped because of the people who are doing it illegally. Down for sure, yeah. Because we we're running out of resources taking care of the people who said fuck you who are doing it the right way that's Mm -hmm. not fair to the people who are choosing to agree with our laws versus the Mm -hmm. people who said fuck your laws i'm coming in no matter what 
it's funny. It's again, it's a nuanced conversation. And if you talk to someone that, you know, bills himself as a liberal and they're like pro illegal immigration, pro open border kind of mentality, like, hey, if they want to come here, they can come here and work, whatever. Cool. Well, then I also don't want to hear you talk about affordable housing, because when you're talking when you have more than 10 million illegal immigrants in California, what do you think that's doing to the housing system? You know, what is that what is that doing for everybody that's looking for affordable housing? Because where are these illegal immigrants mostly living in affordable housing places? Because, you know, a lot of places require background checks and ID places. They're not going to go for those. They're going to go for the cheaper places that don't require that stuff. You're, it, the whole system is being shocked by this. Um, I, and I don't want to I don't man, I hate to end it or I don't know if we're ending or anything, but I, I hate to end it on that because that's just something that I think about a lot because I'm right here in San Diego. I yeah. go down to Ote Mountain all the time. I take my Jeep up to Ote Mountain all the time. And every time I go up there, there's multiple dudes handcuffed sitting on the side of the road with Border Patrol agents. There's Border Patrol helicopters flying around. I'm sitting here trying to I remember one time I took uh, my kid up there with the telescope and uh, trying to catch a lunar eclipse or something like that. And Border Patrol agents are just running up and down the trail in their SUVs, snagging dudes all night long. I'm like, man, this is fucking crazy. Because you can see in New Mexico from Ote Mountain, and yeah. it's a huge crossing point. I'm like, no, this is crazy. the shit that this is the shit no one sees. This is going on right now. Like, I talked to a Border Patrol agent at the border. I was at the southern point where it goes into the water, and I was talking to this guy, and he's like, yeah, there's uh, a group of dudes right over here in these bushes. He's like, they're waiting for me to turn my back or something so they can try to sprint across. But they're there. He goes, we know they're there. So we're just waiting. And I'm like, this is he's like, they'll sit there for probably up to two days in these bushes just waiting for us to kind of turn our back so they can scoot through. And I'm like, man. And it's just every day it's just kind of happening. That's so crazy. No, it's it's real messed up. Now, we are we are going to end. But I got a question for you before. Now, uh, you've c- claimed uh, being conservative. Now, my my question to you is, do you distinguish between the three branches of right wing Republican and conservative? Or do you blanket all of them under conservative? I, I just say moderate conservative. I think the I, I don't know. I mean, when you say right wing, that, that kind of feels uh, I almost don't like that kind of that term, kind of like I don't like everything's extreme right wing. Everything's right wing. You know, everything. It sounds yeah, yeah, bad yeah. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, no, we've associated a lot of bad with uh, with the wings, but that's a whole political uh, uh, Well, that's piece another of media own. thing. That's another media thing. You always hear about the right wing extremists and the, you know, hard yeah. right, blah, blah, blah ideology, but you never hear about the extreme leftist. You never hear about the right, you know, and they're the same experience. people, essentially, right? They're yeah, almost just, the same shit. So I, I just I don't know. I just build myself as a moderate conservative. I think uh, a kind of libertarian. You know, I'm I'm a less government, less taxes, more freedom kind of person. I think under your I conservative think, title, do you include Republican? Oh, yeah, I guess so. I would. I would. Man, I'm, I almost would say classic liberal, which is basically kind of conservative, really. Yeah, because yeah, classic liberal is the old school Republican. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's what, it, yeah, I guess so. I, I hate to put a label on it, and I hate for people to label me like that, I guess, just like everyone else doesn't like a label, because then automatically people are going to be like, well, fuck that dude. Fuck well, okay, okay, we'll, we'll break it down, right? There's the, the, the three sides that get divided. There's uh, mm-hmm. social, how we affect society. There mm-hmm. is economic, and there is um, political. So these are the three things, how we govern people, how we govern money, and how society behaves as a whole. The society behaving as a whole, that's when we're talking about the wings. That's left wing and right wing. That's societal responses. Now, so I would say that's where my moderateness comes into play because I'm more conservative fiscally 
and then I'm more moderate for social stuff. Because I'm, you know, like I said, I'm all about helping out people that need help. Yeah, because conservative you know, is a, 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 an economic idea. That's yeah. uh, totally just talking about how money is distributed within okay. uh, the societal system. That's the economics. So conservative or progressive, that's a financial uh, determinant, while uh, uh, left-wing and right-wing are t purely social. And how we lead the law-making process is where we determine Republican or Democrat. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I've never really broken it down like that. Yeah, I guess, I, I mean, yeah, I would classify by myself as a Republican for sure. Uh, but I like, again, I'm, I consider myself a moderate. Yeah. You know? I think I land somewhere in like, I'm a Republican. I'm a progressive Republican. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where I land on the wings because I kind of don't care much for society as a whole. I mean, you heard how I talk generally speaking. I don't really like I'll troll either side. No idea holds value to me. I think everything mm -hmm. is fair game. So I don't like really know where I'm probably just centered there. I'm all about calling out assholes on either side. You know, yes, exactly. And that's a social just, standard, pretty much. Let's just call out the bullshit, man. You know, hundred like, percent. There's there's morons on both sides. We just got to stop listening to them. You know, stop yes. letting them drive the That's where the tribalism is a problem, right? Because we have people who, well, I'm on the right or I'm on the left. And it's like my team, no matter what. Yeah, but your team started a war. Yeah, but your team decided to rape somebody and cover it up. And it's like, okay, wait, 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 wait. Maybe. Just... Just maybe fuck the people who did that shit and then keep following the ones who weren't involved in that. Yeah. I'm I'm sitting here in 2022 looking at Russia invading Ukraine going, what the fuck? We still do that? Like, that's uh, just a seed land. You know, like the U.S. I mean, I was in the Marines, obviously. You know, we were in the Afghanistan and the Iraq, which we can talk in depth about that at another time if you want. But it. At least in Afghanistan, we went after we were attacked. It was like there was like a purpose there. Now, us staying for fucking 20 years was obviously a bad idea. But we were never trying to take over Afghanistan. We were trying to like build it up and be like, here you go. You got it, right? You know, help my help my little brother up and like, here you go. You know, I'm going to push you on the bike and then it's all you. And obviously they fell down, unfortunately, but that is what it is. Ukraine, they're just trying to take that shit over. A country just coming in to take over another country hasn't happened in so long. And I really thought we were beyond that as a species, you know, like just looking at something like that, like, man. I mean, why? that's why we're collectively refusing to attack back. We're trying to not engage and prove that we have that this is the only old relic. Mm -hmm. Let that old relic die and let's not join the problem. But yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close to having to. Yeah. If they, if something, you know, in a situation like this, any little thing can set off a legitimate world war. And right now at this stage, I feel really bad for the Russian mothers and the uh, Ukrainian families and stuff that are their sons and daughters are dying out there for nothing, for fucking nothing. You know, like because they, because another country, nah, maybe if you. I mean, I think Crimea was the majority. I think that was... You're right. Oh, yeah. They already took that, too. I think that's where most of the oil was. So that was kind of their justification for that. Oh, but there is that river. That river that supplies all the water to Crimea that was blocked off by Ukraine. And because of that, mm. the entire oil rig system that it's in Crimea is completely dysfunctional because everything has oh, dried really? up and become barren. See, it's a... That's, again, it's a nuanced conversation. It's like, it's like when we talk about World War II... And we talk about Japan, you know, we, everyone knows Japan attacked the U S but no one really talked about like why. And we didn't do it. Let's again, I'm going to preface this with saying we didn't do anything wrong, but we were sanctioning Japan's oil. We were like, we're not giving you oil. You're out here fucking fighting the Chinese and blood, whatever. 
you know, we're cutting off your oil supply. And that was part of the reason that they attacked us. So there's like, there's reasons, you know what I'm saying? We may not agree with those reasons. We may say that that's a bad reason, but it's not normally just like an egotistical, I don't know. There's always, normally there's a reason behind it that they've made justifications in their own head. I don't know. Yeah. A lot of the time we look at the United States and we're like, you're always going into countries and you're always, you know, dropping bombs left and right and you're invading and you're doing this and that. And it's like, but what have we seized? We, we don't take over, and you're totally right about that. And this goes back to the, what the media does, right? We we paint this picture of war, but a lot of the time we're going there, there's a corrupt something happening. We're getting rid of the corrupt something, and we're giving it back to the mm-hmm. citizens. And then we're getting the fuck out of there. Afghanistan being a weird, fucked up situation that we yeah. definitely should not have been involved in for as long as we were fucking involved in no, it. Not, not, not at the scale that we were involved. I think no, we when, could have gotten the fuck out of there way longer ago, more appropriately. I like the idea of leaving back. Like I think we had like a battalion worth of people there that got pulled out at the end, and that was kind of the final like hoorah, and then everything kind of went to shit after that. I didn't. I didn't necessarily mind the fact that there was a battalion, which is like a thousand people, because those people are were mostly there to advise different sectors of the government to help them become more efficient. You know what I'm saying? Like, because sometimes we forget. You know. Like in the military, when we go over, I was a military advisor. I was training the Afghan army and stuff like that. And guys would get frustrated. And it's like, bro, this army was just created. Like we literally just created this a couple years ago. Our military has over 200 years of experience where we've figured out the logistical issues. We've ironed out, you know, the problems with getting this kind of training completed. And now we're trying to expect this foreign military to to become like different overnight, like be professional and fully trained overnight. It's just not reality. You know, they live in a different kind of situation than we do. So yeah, it's, what is it? Uninformed people with opinions, uninformed people. That's, (laughs) that's really the problem. Uninformed people with opinions, uninformed people. Look, man, you are a, I I love the fact that you exist. We need more of you out there. There aren't many people who will question and then Think about all the different bits of information. Sometimes we ask a question, get an answer, and roll with it. Or we'll ask a question and only accept the answer that already we we expected. Mm-hmm. You are a true skeptic in every sense of the word. And we need more of that because we have people who only are skeptical of the opposition as opposed to yeah. questioning anything and everything posed in front of you at any given moment. That's the right way to approach it because all you're going to be left with is what can't be questioned. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's a state of mind that is particularly amazing. And I, uh, I'm glad you came on the show. I, I sure. love that you let me pick your brain for almost three hours, it seems. It's, yeah, you, it's you're, you're fascinating, man. You, I'm very – and also – I'm glad that you, we never even touched on it. I was trying to find a way to get back to it, but it's like I don't even want to interrupt what you're talking about, that your show – focuses on speaking to people who have experienced their own events in life, people who themselves are heroes, people who have gone through, speak on that for a quick moment before I get you to do your plugs and we can get out of here. Yeah. I, um, so I started the the former Action Guys podcast in August of 2019. And um, I was, like I said, I was a JTAC in the military and I got to do some really cool stuff and I got to meet some really awesome people. And I'm like, man, I know so many guys that have done just amazing stuff, amazing work overseas or here, heroic things, 
um, things of note that just no one will ever know about it. Like only the people that will ever know about it are the people that were there in that moment. And that's really it. You know, they're not some general that's going to get put in a history book. They're not some, they weren't part of some event. And if the event is in the history book, it'll be like a paragraph and, you know, their individual contribution won't be acknowledged. But I thought, it, you know, I'm going to start a podcast and, and get all these people on that I know that have these awesome stories and, and not only like share it for the world so that people understand, like, here's the individual action that happened, you know, at the Battle of Marja, or here's the individual thing that occurred, you know, when this happens. Um, not only for that, for the general public to get a better understanding of the military, because, you know, without the draft, which I think most of us agree that the draft is no good, without the draft, though, we don't have this buy-in to our military. So there's so many people that have zero idea of what's going on. And I wanted to bring those stories to light, but also give those guys an opportunity to record their own history so that, you know, their grandkids can be like, hey, grandpa was in the war. Let's look as that he did an interview with this guy. Let's look it up and see what he did. And um, yeah, you know, I think I've done that. I've try to give guys two hours or, or, or more, uh, multiple episodes if they've had an extensive career. And we just kind of break down um, their story, their background, why they joined the military, what they did in the military, training. If it's someone I've, I'm having on that's from a, a job that I've never talked about, we go in more in depth in the training just so we can have an understanding of what it was like to you know get to the point of where they were. Um, yeah, man, it's just, um, it's just uh, I hope it's, and to me, I was telling a guy the other day, I was like, I've recorded 145 episodes so far. You know, that's a lot of conversations that one day, you know, I'm going to be gone and my own kid and his kids or whatever are going to be able to listen to that and listen to me talk about the things I did and the people I've met and the places I've got to, you know, I've been to over 10 countries. I've been all over the place and seen a lot of cool stuff and a lot of crazy stuff. And it's, I don't know. I just think that um, our own individual histories matter and that they should get recorded. So I'm trying to be part of the solution, I guess. And I appreciate that very much. You definitely have a unique thing that you are doing. You are giving people this ability to share. Like you said, most of us are, aren't going to be remembered. Most of us are going to be at most forgotten with our children or our grandchildren. And the last time our names are spoken is going to be by our grandchildren's grandchildren about grandpa's name was. And then that's the last time anybody ever talks about us. And the things mm -hmm. we've accomplished, the things we've done, all of that just disappears into the background because we weren't the most important person in the area or what we did wasn't impactful on its own, but as part of a group and the unit would maybe be recognized, and a lot of times not even then, because we're looking at, well, this giant branch of the military did the thing, and who was there? Who the fuck knows? But the thing got done, and mm -hmm. you definitely shine a light on that. And the best part is, you don't just, it's not just military purely, because a lot of these people have long since been gone, so they can talk about what they're currently doing in mm -hmm. response to already having that drive that they developed in the military. So these jobs that they get outside that somehow reflect and show us, like you can leave service and continue to serve and continue to be a hero and continue to be a good person. Because a lot of people just, again, like we were talking about earlier, have this view of you're a soldier, then you just go out and shoot people. And yeah. that's such a small part about what happens. And you're giving people a platform to show that we're not killers. We are we're human, we're people, and we want to protect people and we want to save people. Sometimes that's aggressive. Sometimes that looks mm -hmm. violent, 
but a lot of the time that just looks like I met somebody cool. I took him some food as part of my team and we were there helping set up a water system for them. And we got to talk to these people and learn about a culture we didn't even know fucking existed for the most part. Yeah. And like you're shining a light on that. You realize that you might be giving people a platform to talk about the heroics they've done, but you're the one who's bringing these people to the light when you don't have to. That's a choice you've made. And so in response to that, you yourself have never stopped being a hero. You have decided to continue <laughs> helping people be and shine and show the goodness in other people. And like you don't reflect that credit back on yourself. You keep shining the light on others, but you are continuously being a hero by allowing other people to continue being a hero. Yeah, I mean, I I guess if you want to if you want to if you want to phrase it that way, I'm just out here, I'm just I don't know, man. I'm just trying to get people's stories told, you know, and uh, I think it's, um, again, also, or also, it, guys that are in the military are wondering what what's going to happen when they get out. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like getting out of prison. You're like, fuck, what's it going to be like on the outside? Because in the military, your food's provided, your job, you know where to be every day. Someone's telling you where to be. You, everything is, you know, it's facilitated or spelled out. This is how it's going to be done. Here's all the stuff you need to do it. Go do it. And when you get out in the real world, it's like, shit, I got to do everything on my own. I got to make things happen. And we can do that. But a lot of guys are in the military wondering what's going to happen when they get out. And they can't talk to anybody about it because everybody that, that's around them is all in the military. None of them have ever gotten out before. So they can't, you know, kind of relay those experiences. So that's another thing I really hope it does. It shows there's like a you can be whatever you want to be. You can get out of the Marine Corps and. Go become a military contractor and go overseas if you want. You know, there's jobs. I just got a job offer or I saw a job offer uh, two days ago for one to two thousand dollars a day for private military contractors to go to Ukraine, you know, or you can get out and become a school teacher, you know, or you can get out and work in an oil field. You know what I'm saying? Like and I told my brother in law, he um, he talked, you know, he was like, man, I should have joined the Marine Corps. I should have joined the military. My parents talked me out of it. And I'm like, man, dude, you know, you're you're a construction guy. How many buildings did you build in the 12 years that I was in the Marine Corps? You know, like, what did I do? I went to Afghanistan twice and I went to Iraq and and whatever. You're over here building shit for people. You know, you're like making stuff, infrastructure here for the country. Like, how are you not a hero? How is that not a big deal? You know what I'm saying? The like, fact uh, that you're trying to push away the idea that you're a hero by immediately pointing at somebody <laughs> else's productivity just shows that you're always looking for, bro, you come from a world where we're all judging each other and you're out here <laughs> yeah. actively shining light and praising everybody else. I assure Why, you, man? I assure you that you are, if not equal, greater by consistently, yeah. only, and always seemingly praising everybody else for their good as opposed to judging people for their bad. You look for the good and you shine light on the good, dude. What's dude, more all, heroic than that? We're all in this together, man. You know what I'm saying? We're all in this together. So if you're if you're doing positive stuff for yourself and your community and everything like that, how can how can I be mad about that? How can I be against that? You know myself. You know what I'm saying? Like. If you're out there looking out for yourself and fucking people over to get yourself ahead, then you're an asshole. Whatever. I'm not, I'm just not going to waste my time with that. But 100%. Yeah. I just like, uh, I don't know. That's just, you know, that's my thing though. It's just, it's been a good thing. It's my, um, I have that and I have a uh, website, uh, jkramergraphics.com where I do uh, custom graphic design work and I do freelance marketing work and it's just, I work from home and no one tells me what to do anymore because, which is nice, it's you know, because the, the Marines was tough. 
Oh, and I'm not joking. Like all day, every day, someone's telling you what to do. And, you know, when you're 30 something years old, you're like, fuck this. This kind of gets old. So I'm going to. I will tell you flat out, I have zero concept of what it is to, to live a life like that. And I don't think I could. I think I have a complete inability to do as I'm told as opposed to just do mm-hmm. what I want. And I've luckily been able to live life as I've dictated and been able to fund everything I've ever needed up front. Oh, no bank, nothing. Never took out a single bank loan. Everything is just oh. up front. I've managed to make enough to pay everything up front. Oh, nobody, anything and still have enough to always fall back on by actively being the guy who Sweet. rejects the system. Hey man, it takes all kinds, right? Yeah. And, and like, I would say, I would say for the people listening, when I say like that, you know, they own your world and you have to do everything they say and stuff like, yeah, you do, but it's not like it's, it's not horrible. I mean, there's moments where it sucks just like every other job, but yeah. I'll tell you, you're going to find fewer rewarding careers than, than being in the military because, you know, I've mentioned this on my podcast a few times. I'm like, guys in the military, guys and gals both should really look into politics as a option because you get this um, exposure to not just different people, like, you know, different backgrounds. You're, you're getting exposure to people from all over the country, from every kind of background, from people from around the world. I mean, I've had guys that were, I had a guy from Jamaica in my platoon. I worked with a guy that was from Iraq that was in my platoon, you know, that were now Americans and in the military. Um, you, you know, you're, you're sitting down. I'm from Indiana and Tennessee is where I grew up. And I'm sitting down and eating with people from Jersey and from California and from Iowa. And we're all sitting there having a conversation and talking about everything, life. And you just you, – you get to know so many people from so many different backgrounds that we, and, and people care. You know what I said? There's like a standard that's kind of upheld there. And when you leave that, it's almost depressing because you look around and you're like, man, everybody else is just kind of fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like no one else – no one out here cares. We're yeah, not working yeah, towards yeah. a greater good. That is my sort of rejection of society in general. It's that very same thing. Now, it's crazy because you come from a, an absurdly structured lifestyle and I come from a total freefall, no structure lifestyle. But we have the same reason for doing what we – for loving what we do or did at some point and it's the fact that somehow we live in a world that nobody gives a fuck about anybody and mm-hmm. everybody sooner wants to step on somebody else as opposed to just why not Raise get to know each yeah. other why not why not understand why you are how you are as opposed to just fuck you and let me get the hell out of here you'd be surprised to find actually there's more people like us that question things in the military and oftentimes you find those people in the and the more high speed, like more serious jobs, because we, they don't need robots. The military doesn't need robots. Someone to just, I, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. And like, do whatever I say, you know, there's some jobs that do need that. I need you to do what I tell you when I tell you, like exactly in that moment. But there's other jobs where you have to think. You have to be able to reason and understand and kind of look around and figure out. Being a JTEC was huge because I'd have to look around at what's happening in front of me and then look at a map, translate everything from that's happening in front of me onto a map and then find out like, I don't know. It's just you have to be able to work through problems and stuff, problem solving and questioning why things are being done to make things better, you know, to be more efficient, more pro uh, proficient at your job. So it's – you. There is a time and place for being told what to do all the time and being a robot like boot camp, you know. But after that, some jobs, you know, you kind of grow into it, – it's, it's, 
it's not as it's not as strict as as I make it sound. It's it's a great career. I would go back and 100% do it again. If anybody ever wants to, if they're considering it and they they have questions, my dad was in the army also, so you know I can give you some. And I know people in the army. People can feel free to reach out to me, um, and I'll try to help you out. Especially if you're wanting to get into the artillery community and the Marine Corps. That's my background, but um, I can speak onto Ooh, other 100%, jobs. One hundred percent, perfect moment. Give them all your plugs. Where can everybody find you? Tell them everywhere, all your socials, your show, yeah. your website, anything you've got going that they can find you, track you, find what you do, and uh, take your content. So the podcast can be found on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's former Action Guys podcast. You know, any basically anywhere major platform that has podcasts, it'll be on there. Uh, you can subscribe on any of those channels. You can find me on Instagram at, at former Action Guys and at J Kramer Graphics, which is my uh, other Instagram page. And then my website's jkramergraphics.com. Feel free to there's a con, there's a contact us section on jkramergraphics.com, or feel free to shoot me a DM on either one of my Instagram channels that at former Action Guys or J Kramer Graphics, either one. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll do my best to answer any questions you may have about the military or or whatever. So that's that's it. That's perfect, man. Look, dude, I I'm trying to close this, but I'm having too much fun fucking talking to you. So we're just well, gonna we'll have to do another one sometime, man. Yeah, look, that's that's definitely where this is going. We have to be able because this is clearly just like we have lives to live essentially, but there's way more conversation that is definitely waiting to happen right now, nevertheless. So there's when there's good conversation, you got to end it, you know? Yes. How often do you get to just sit down and talk? I mean, I guess minus your podcast or (laughs) minus your podcast. How often does like, I guess not us, but a normal person, how often do you really just get to sit and have a conversation like this? You know? Yeah. That's why and, I can't work a real job anymore because this is what I want to do. Sit around yes. and talk. And a lot of people don't like that. They yeah, want you want to learn. You want to yeah. hear thoughts. Help me and, understand. Yes. Yes. That's the point. That is the point. Regardless of whether I agree or not, regardless of whether we see eye to eye, just what's your story? That'll get information is information. Mm-hmm. And I have more than I had. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad I could uh, come on and help you guys out and, or, you know, give you a little bit of my background and stuff. Hell I wasn't yeah. sure. I'll be honest. I was like, I was looking at some of your shows and I was listening to them and I'm like, I don't know what we're going <laughs> to talk about here. I'm not really sure. No, no, you go, definitely so looked at the weirder section. If you look at some guest episodes, this is usually what I do. I just, I, I pick your mind. I see what you think. I, I try to understand. I'm, I'm a human when I'm talking to somebody other than my co-host and I'm a psychopath when I'm only talking to my co-host. That's awesome. That's yeah. good stuff, man. It works for you, eh? Whatever works. Oh, whatever works, man. Top 2% of all podcasts on Earth. That's, uh, oh, don't know how yeah. it happened, nice. but hey, it fucking happens. Hey, not mad about that at all. That's yeah, awesome, like, whatever. Man. I don't know who tunes in for that other half, but like, hey, enjoy, guys, if it's for you, I guess. Hey, there's an audience out there. Yeah. For everything. I question their sanity, for sure. But hey, to, right? you guys are here anyways. I, I You count, too. I appreciate you. For sure. Anyways, I I very much appreciate having you here, man. You are a phenomenal human being. And I assure you, I am going to harass you for the rest of eternity and get you here again at one point so we can do part two and continue this. Because there is a lot of conversation just waiting to happen here. And you are quite a deep thinker. That is rare on (laughs) so many levels. And I'm sure you come across deep thinkers, but you don't come across deep thinkers that think as deeply as you do. I assure you that much. Oh man, I don't know about that. You're you're, you're inflating my ego. I'll take it. I'll take it right for the weekend. Get a ego boost. Let's put it like this. I exclusively talk to creatives and scholars and I am putting you top two. Nice. 
I appreciate that, man. So, well, it's been a good time, and uh, you know, I, I wish you guys success. And like I said, feel free hit me up anytime, and I'll come back on. Hell yeah, you know I'm definitely gonna do that, and I appreciate you being here, man. Enjoy your evening very much. This has been a phenomenal discussion, and I very much hope that uh, we can do this again. I'm definitely gonna bother you for that, and uh, it's just great having you here, man. For sure, fantastic conversation. So enjoy your evening very much. Yeah, man. The Just Conversation podcast is hosted by Jack Thomas, produced by Lynn Taylor, and published by GreatThoughts.info. Art by Zero Lupo, and logo by Seth McAllister, with social media managed by Amber Black.